Captain's Log, Stardate, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. <laughs> I'm Captain Britain. And I'm 1982 Punk Pat. These are the voyages of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where we'll, we'll never see Star Trek Four. Let's get Picarded in here. Let's get Picarded. Let's get Picarded in here. Let's get Picarded. Let's get Picarded in here. Let's get Picarded. Let's get Picarded in here. Everybody, everyone, Soyer Trek. Here we come. Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek, the show where two Trekkies ask themselves this week. When are we getting a knick-knack movie? Oh, God, I love knick-knack. Knick-knack paddywhack. <laughs> Give me a bone, motherfucker. We love knick-knack up in here. Mm-hmm. Knick-knack is our new favorite character. <laughs> uh, this is now a knick-knack podcast. I actually went and got a tattoo of knick-knack. Really? Mm-hmm. Where? Oh, well, <laughs> you'll see it later if you catch my drift. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't have a knick-knack tattoo, but, I, you know, but I want, want, want to rule out. Yeah, yeah. Um... You should, yeah, I dare you to get one. <laughs> get one in your taint. Do you already have a taint tattoo? I don't. You actually seem like, you, you're you like the only guy, I think, that I, I if you, if I found out you had a taint tattoo, I'd be like, oh yeah, well. This guy's taint's insane. Yeah, it's, it's insane. This guy's taint. It's insane, this guy's taint. taint misbehaving. <laughs> taint mis- yeah, then I could really come out, yeah, with taint misbehaving. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> be on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> um... So yeah, today we'll be uh, watching and reviewing Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 8. And uh, to explain briefly um, why we're not watching a uh, classic episode here, we actually did. However, uh, we realized that, hey, uh, our episodes are getting to like three and a half, four and a half hours in Mm -hmm. length. Yeah. And it's ridiculous and kind of (laughs) untenable. And basically like what I have to do, because they're so long is I have to split the file into two files, then <laughs> rejoin the files, and then bounce them down to lower quality files just so I can get them up online. And wow. it like, and basically, so for uh, at least uh, for the non-Patreon version, I have to bounce it all down to mono 64 KBS, which is like the worst possible like commercial, mm-hmm. commercially available MP3 codec you can make mm-hmm. something into. And so like... It, I'm just like, I, I'd rather have things in higher quality and just have people have to listen to two episodes. So we're going to do that, yeah. and we're going to start splitting stuff up. And I'm thinking maybe we'll do, obviously, the new episode, the Watch After episode. We'll do it, you know, as soon as I get it out there. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully Thursday night, Friday night, or, you know, early Friday morning slash Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And then the classic episode will be another later in the week thing, maybe like Tuesday the Tuesday after. Yeah. And then that way it'll split it up, give some people a sense of pacing. So they don't feel compelled to have to listen to a big four hour podcast. <laughs> Cause I know sometimes in like huge long ass podcasts, I'll just kind of like leave it in the middle, but yeah. if you make it a little more digestible, I'll actually like listen to, you know, part one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that's a pretty good idea. If, uh, if you disagree with that, um, go online and, uh, 
fucking go to um, Pornhub.com <laughs> and jerk off because that's uh, all you can do here because I don't yeah. give a fuck what you care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you say. We've already made the decision, all right? <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. And we're actually going to give you more content here because now, oh. uh, th- because of this, we're going to have two Klingon words a day every oh, week. Oh, shit. Two subspace transmissions. Say what? Two Trek newses. Oh, man. A double dose of politics. What? 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 Yeah, we're going to end uh, and then uh, two like rules of acquisition, two for any mm. words of the day. Oh we God. are, we are, I mean, we're doing the same amount of episodes um, and reviewing the same amount of episodes, but, uh, you know, we're doing it more so. Mm. So today, so saying that, today we'll be watching and reviewing Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 8. Um, which I didn't write the title right here. Uh, uh, it is uh, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus. Mm-hmm. Fun little title there. Paradoxus. But before that, let's get in to what's going on in the world of Trek and the world elsewhere. Oh, no. We got Trek news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got Trek news for you. So much Trek news this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last week was New York City Comic Con, and we got a big dump from that. Mm. Big old dump, <laughs> yeah. big old stinky dump <laughs> of Trek information. So we're gonna talk about the Picard teaser, mm. which I know you've been uh, biting, biting at the bit to yeah. fucking talk about, chomping at the bit. Mm-hmm. That's the I'm chomping. That's the that's the thing I'm looking for. <laughs> um, so uh, and everything that's been revealed about it. So. Okay. Uh, I, I watched the teaser like three times. Wait, wait, you watched it? How would you, how did you see it? It was so dark. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm goth, so <laughs> oh, yeah, I see right. everything in the dark. Yeah, that shit was so, that I could barely see anything. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, the, the fucking, the, the battle at the end of um, uh, Game of Thrones where mm-hmm. like, it's like they smoke, they, they filmed everything <laughs> in, with, with a camera made out of smoke. Yeah. It's Ugh. like they, they filmed everything with the smoke monster from Lost. <laughs> <laughs> like he was the camera, he was the director of photography. He's like, no, 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 I think we need more black smoke. Yeah, they're definitely going like this is going to be the darkest season of Picard. Yeah, literally. Um. So anyway, uh, <laughs> it's very dark. You're right. Yes. Uh, the teaser opens on Picard in a restaurant, sitting at a table. Uh, he gets some food, and his meal is interrupted by two figures addressing him as Admiral. Did you see what he was eating? I thought it was pancakes at first. Yeah, I said it. I also, I also, I love this opening because it's such a like. Like a 1980s action movie, right? So right. Like where, where, like, you like know, ca- Captain, <laughs> uh, uh, your old partner's missing. We need you back in action. All right, Mick, Mick Picard, <laughs> we need you back in action. God damn it! I said I'd never come back. <laughs> I know you're a loose cannon, but you're the only one that can get the job done. <laughs> but you get out of line, and it's your ass. God damn it, Picard! God damn it, Picard! You can't do things your way. There's <laughs> rules for a reason. <laughs> I may do things my way, but god damn it, I get results. Damn Cap. it! Hand, hand in your badge and gun. You're out of here. You're out on the street. <laughs> So, so that's the entire trailer. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just like just like hard boiled Picard. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great if he was the fucking PI. What was his name on there? I, I totally, I always Dirk something or some shit. When he was a PI in the holiday. Oh, um, 
Oh my um, god. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's like at least there's at least two episodes. Oh, there, uh, right? Dixon. Dixon. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, giant Dixon. Uh, <laughs> Dixon or Dixon or asshole. That would be funny if like he just kind of like starts doing like a Dirty Harry type genre instead of like instead of like the 1940s detective. Like it's just like it's that he's like it's like becomes a Dirty Harry type thing. That's just all part of the holodeck thing. <laughs> And he's, he's just like a, a man on the edge just shooting criminals. <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, right? yeah, it's like a like a death wish type scenario. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> God, <laughs> Charles Bronson in the holodeck just <laughs> shooting minorities. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Bang, bang. I mean, that's basically what fucking Death Wish 3 is. It <laughs> really is. It, yeah, it's like it's it's the like white flight the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, two two people address Picard as Admiral in yeah. in a diner. Uh, we then see a starship in a field of debris, and Picard's voice saying, "We received a distress call from Beverly Crusher," and we hear Crusher saying, "We're being hunted." Uh, Picard then says, uh, "Who is it? Who is out there?" And Crusher is like, "I don't know." <laughs> Picard says they must run, and uh, when asked from what a Kind of a late Romulan-looking ship appears. I don't know what kind of ship it is. Yeah, the ship was like, huge too. It was huge, and it had those like tenderly stuff like uh, Nero ship had mm-hmm. in uh, whatever he was in. Who cares? Um, <laughs> um, and um, so uh, Picard says they must run. We see that weird ship, and uh, we get the new big bad for the season, who's apparently being played by Amanda Plummer. Yeah. Daughter of Christopher Plummer, who was, you know, the antagonist in Star Trek mm-hmm. Six, the uh the, the theater Klingon. Yeah, I didn't realize that until later. I was just mm-hmm. I, I I love Amanda Plummer. Like I haven't well, she's, seen her. She's pretty great. Yeah, she's she's good at playing psychos. I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff lately. Yeah, right. Um so she's playing someone named Captain Vedic. Mm-hmm. Um not like Vedic Baral. <laughs> that would be funny. That yeah, <laughs> if she was a Bajoran Vedic. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, yeah, I looked online. It's, it's spelled differently, though. It's mm-hmm. not. It's V E D I C, not V I D E K or whatever. I thought it was V A D. Huh? Or maybe I'm wrong. V E D I C. Oh, V I V E V E D I C. So I saw it spelled. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, after that, we get Worf, who is like uh, he's uh, you know he's he's a gray fox now. He's he's rocking like gray hair, and it actually looks pretty good. Like yeah, the makeup for his character I think looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and he says he now prefers pacifism to combat. And yeah. Then, and then Riker, who's next to him, says, we're all going to die. And he has his mock left with him. He does. And also, do you... It f- could be ceremonial, though, like the the, oh, she- yeah. the, chic, uh, mm. the chic knife or whatever, you know? And it's funny that, like, um, he becomes a pacifist later in life, because, you know, in later in life, you know, in later life, people, you know, kind of, like, lean more on religion yeah. and stuff like that. And you mm-hmm. think as a Klingon... He would be leaning more into dying with glory so he can go to Stovacar <laughs> instead yeah. of like, but still like, I do you think they're trying to say something making him a pacifist? Like, I'm sure they are because I mean that you know writers write everything for a reason, and yeah. Worf is probably becoming a pacifist because like they're trying to say I don't know because like the problem is though in doing so and being like oh he is a pacifist now. But Star Trek media in general has definitely become far more militaristic in tone mm. 
than it ever has been and ever yeah. was during like the quote unquote golden era. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I never thought that he was a particularly like, yes, like he is part of a warrior culture, mm-hmm. but I never thought he was like, like overly violent. I mean, no, in TNG, he's like at least overly aggressive. Like yeah. whenever they're in like oh, yeah, the he wants ready to, room, he wants to fire on everything. Yeah. Yeah. And Picard's like, I need opinions. Worf's always like, I think we should fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's like, enough, Mr. Wolf. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but I feel like one of his main things was his self-control and like his, is the, his, um, he was very disciplined. He was a very disciplined person. Mm. And, and, you know, and you kind of saw that as a difference between him and like other Klingon where he, where other Klingons were, you know, more like, uh, Vikings and he was, he took more of like a samurai type. Yeah, definitely. And, and so he always seemed to be, he seemed to pride himself in his discipline and his adherence to like, you know, being a Klingon and his mm-hmm. Klingon stuff. And that's why I was like, well, why is this? I mean, we'll see. I guess they'll have a reason for making him a pacifist. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I don't know what they're what they're trying to say with doing, that yeah. thing. Yeah. Do you think they're going to do anything with Alexander? Do you think he's going to? No, and that's the thing. Like, I think that would have been the better thing to do. Like, I mean, he did have like a reconciliation with them in like DS Nine, and kind yeah, of. But it was, it, I mean, not really. It was yeah. ish. Like but, but it was. He, it was more like I don't hate you completely bye <laughs> i don't hate i don't hate yeah bye i'll never see you yeah, goodbye i feel like his arc yeah would his final arc should be like repairing his relationship with yeah, alexander because that, honestly like that's the big trope about him like mm-hmm. when people talk about Worf, at least in our world and in, in like the meme world and yeah. in, like the actually trek culture people talk about you know Worf is a failed father, <laughs> which is funny. And that's like the biggest Worf trope out there. Yeah. I mean, also he, that like, you know, he, you know, between TNG, he like is a shitty warrior and then he goes to DS9 and suddenly he's very competent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and, and, he, and yeah, like it would be nice to see him have some, like, ha- be finally like have some sort of like, you know, punch it out, you know, and like hug it out with, uh, with Alexander, that would be nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. And I think that, I mean, that, I mean, they could still put that in. I mean, we only saw a small, what was that, like a two minute teaser? So it's like, yeah. who knows what they could be doing. But. Mm-hmm. So, uh, continuing with the teaser, uh, after that, Rafi and Crusher say some stuff. So we got <laughs> Rafi back. Fun yeah. Uh, then Jordy uh, asks uh, if uh, Picard roped the others into this plan as well. He shot some ropes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he and he did shoot, and, and uh, Jordy did shoot some ropes because I looked on the thing and um, he has two daughters. Oh, yeah, yeah, this. yeah. Uh, yeah, there was uh, actually some news articles and stuff yeah. about, out there. One's played by his real life daughter. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, Micah Burton. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, so Jordy got to finally shoot some ropes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these, these are my two hologram children. <laughs> they're, like, they're like half flesh, half hologram. <laughs> this is uh, uh, Morierta and Moriertina. <laughs> La Minuet. <laughs> Minuet LaForge. Minuet LaForge. <laughs> this is my wife, Minuet LaForge. <laughs> she likes jazz. She likes jazz. Uh, so, um, uh, then it says, February 16th, the final voyage begins. Mm. Um, so, like, is that a promise? Please let it just end. <laughs> yeah, then we have uh, Vedic, Amanda Plummer talking, 
And she says, uh, she'll scorch the earth on which he stands, and the night will brighten with the ashes of the Federation, which doesn't make any sense. The night will brighten with the ashes? <sighs> I know. That's it's bad well, writing. I mean, it, like, like the... Like the the night will brighten in the wake of the fire of the Federation or something. There's so many other lines yeah. you could use there. The ashes that doesn't make any sense. I mean, well, that's I mean that's the big problem with like Picard is like they go super flowery with like the with the writing and the mm-hmm. speeches and it's just like where it just where it's like stuff that no human would actually say in real life, right? And they're like, what's the best part about Star Trek Next Generation? Picard's speeches, yeah. and I'm like. No, that's a good part, but like you have to have good storytelling to lead up to yeah. a conclusional speech. Mm-hmm. And because like Picard, the good thing about him in TNG is he's a space lawyer. At the very yeah. end of every episode, he's like, "Well, here's the logic behind everything," mm-hmm. and he space lawyers everything into its right place. And you're like, "Oh, Picard, you're so smart. <laughs> you're so insightful. You 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 take a lot of opinions and distill them into a good like ethical quandary. Great, yeah, great job. And that um, is one of the big differences between like Picard and this, and then like Picard and TNG, where it's mm-hmm. like Picard and TNG saw any loss of life as like a failure, mm-hmm. and like as, oh, they're not afraid to murk people. Yeah, they're not that. afraid to murk. Like and I, was, I, was, yeah. I was revisiting like that, like the like the um uh. In the first season, when like he pretty much just is just being a Karen, like mm-hmm. demanding to be served at that bar, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. and and then um, uh, Eleanor cuts that guy's head off, and then like they mm-hmm. just move on, like nothing happened. It's yeah, just, right. Like, and it's over, a, and it's like a a scenario that they escalated into to murder. Yeah, and yeah, it's like the guy the guy has <laughs> legitimate material complaints against Picard. Yeah, and he's like, listen, Picard, it's like it's like if. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if um you know the guy like the guy who uh, confronted fucking Ted Cruz at a restaurant if his bodyguard is like let's take this outside and he just shoots him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what the fuck dude mm-hmm. that's not okay like there are legitimate complaints here that someone has against you yeah. and like you're just going to use your bodyguard to chop his fucking head off yeah that's not okay that, and that's what i was thinking like if anyone should become a pacifist or embrace some sort of like non-killing type thing it should be elnor elnor's a fucking psychopath i don't think elnor is going to be in this season though. which I hope not good yeah. i fucking hate that guy <laughs> like, yeah i mean we already have a lego ninjago movie so yeah. we don't really need anything but yeah just, but yeah i guess like um Worf will be the Eleanor role, I guess. Yeah, but uh, then after that bad line, uh, Vedic <laughs> says, uh, but first we will have vengeance. And it looks like someone is blowing up Starfleet or something. Yeah. And it looks like a Starfleet stadium. Like, yeah. it's, it's oddly placed in the city to where it looks like a football stadium or something. Mm-hmm. And like, d- did they blow up, like, the Starfleet sports stadium? Because that's kind of funny, I think, right? Like she's doing She's doing a Bane. Blowing <laughs> up the football stadium. <laughs> Your punishment must be more severe. <laughs> we will scorch the earth on <laughs> which we stand. <laughs> Your ashes will bright up the darkness. <laughs> I was born in the darkness. Wait, that, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> ashes make, don't light anything up. That doesn't make any sense, Bane. <laughs> ah, you will see. <laughs> <laughs> these are special ashes <laughs> these ashes they burn very bright 
Ashes don't burn, Bane. <laughs> I see I may have come to some <laughs> some logical fallacies in this speech here. Let's move on, please. <laughs> All right. So after that, it shows uh, none other than Moriarty. Yeah. Who says, greetings, old friends, and then pulls out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> An old-timey gun. Yeah, like a really old-timey gun. <laughs> like, he couldn't, like, he's he's smart enough to, like, make himself sentient and get off the holodeck, mm -hmm. and he still has, like, a flintlock pistol. <laughs> like, you know I'd be carrying that thing on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's that's about right. Um, but then, I totally forgot he was still alive. Yeah, yeah, I I, I actually did too. I didn't yeah. know that actor was still alive. Yeah, because I think we were. He was we, old as hell, like mm -hmm. thirty years ago. But he has that that you know that thing with British people mm -hmm. is either they stay the same age forever, like Palpatine. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and like Palpatine and, and Boris Johnson. Yeah, like in Boris Johnson, or they or or British men just look like old. Old old grandmas, <laughs> like like Paul McCartney. Yeah, wait, yeah. So so this, I mean, this this isn't the guy who played Bilbo Baggins on the first uh, on the first. He no. looks like him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm talking on the the very on uh, Fellowship. Mm -hmm. No, um, no, no, that's a different dude. Yeah, that was a uh, Ash uh, from uh, Alien. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> um, uh, after that though. Another big reveal. Uh oh. Shows Brent Spiner. Uh oh. Looking like an old fat data. <laughs> <laughs> like he's his hair is not great. No. He's not in great shape anymore. Yeah, I guess he discovered like like cheese that robots could eat or something <laughs> like, like that. <laughs> and just went wild on it. He's like <laughs> Um have you ever heard of positronic mukbang? He's <laughs> doing <laughs> positronic mukbangs. Um, so, looks like an old fat data. But, Jordy says, lore. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's pretty much the whole trailer. Mm-hmm. So, um... Yeah, you you excited about that? No, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, mean I mean, like, given after the first two seasons, I'm like, no, I yeah, mean, we're, we are gonna sit here. I mean, we, we are gonna, gonna watch, watch it. it. Yeah, I am gonna take extensive notes on it, and I'm gonna like probably hate my life doing it. Yeah, so. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I was gonna even if we weren't doing this, I would, I would have definitely watched it on my own. No, me too, just because I am a sucker for the punishment. Oh yeah, like and, I, um, I sat through the second season. I was just like, what is this? And I was just like. <laughs> yelling at the TV screen because mm -hmm. like the the writing in, in the second season was especially dog shit mm -hmm. and like um yeah not excited uh, I mean like you know and, and it's, it's one thing that they had like the other character you know you know Picard but now they're dragging like Jordy and Worf yeah. into this and I feel like and I that, feel like LeVar Burton doesn't deserve this right exactly and so, <laughs> so like yeah like I've seen them systematically destroy the character of Picard yeah. And completely retcon him into a blubbering old piece of shit. Yeah, he's like that I don't like anymore. And mm -hmm. immediately like he is now like probably my third favorite captain. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, I kind of the way I kind of approached Picard, mm -hmm. I mean I mean, I know it's not, you know, true and I kind of just see it as something that's other. <laughs> You know, and like, kind of like not yeah, affiliated like non, with TNG. Non-canon. Non-canon. Because it's, it's, it's some weird fan fiction that like fucking, you know, I don't know, like 
Patrick Stewart kind of feels needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like none of the none like, and that's the thing. Like I feel like they when they approached making this, they were trying to make some sort of prestige TV type bullshit. I th- where I think you're right, and yeah. like they were just I'm, like, well, because like they have this like <laughs> idea that they like you know there's like you know Game of Thrones, there's like Breaking Bad. <laughs> They're like, so so here's the pitch. What if we had um. Uh, Star Trek, uh, the next generation. But have you ever seen Angels in America? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, 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 wait, no, wait, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to like, well, how can we make this adult? You know, how can we make this adult? And- <laughs> It'd be amazing if they did like the Oz treatment on it, and it was like a a stage production. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guy in a weird spinning box, like. Explaining everything. Picard's Picard's uh, tattooing a swastika on a guy's <laughs> butt. <laughs> there's just there's just Aryan rape in there. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I I do feel like they're just like looked at looked at what's cool because like uh, when I saw that I you know immediately thought of like this little known like I don't know cartoon from like early two thousand which is called Lunatics Unleashed, mm-hmm. which is like where they took like the Looney Tunes characters and made them badass superheroes like okay. they that were all black. And I kind of, like, <laughs> kind of wait, like blackface? Or? No, no, no. It was just okay, like, good, just good. like black leather suits. Then when they were superheroes that fought crime. Oh, so they were le- leather daddies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I kind of see they took it like this. They're like, okay, well, what's cool? All right, well, what do people want to see in these prestige TV? All right, they want to see like dark characters. They want to see them cuss. Mm-hmm. They want to see murder. They want to see you know they got you know they got Game of Thrones. They like people getting killed off. Yeah. And yeah. so we need to put all this stuff into this thing that's completely, you know, doesn't fit. The, they, they, they want to see the unassuming scientist turn into a Borg queen, <laughs> fucking murder a guy in an alleyway just yeah. so she can get an endorphin rush. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. What? It's, it's, yeah. They just put. They this, want like, to see a reference to Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they put this very nihilistic, dark worldview on something that wasn't. Yeah. And it's kind of like I kind of see that as like how they you know did the same thing with like the Looney Tunes. You know, it's just like made this thing that's completely incongruous with like the original. And it's just like, and we have that with Picard. Like, I don't want to see any of these characters like, like doing this. <laughs> no, no. I'd be like, I mean, I'd be fine with a good send off for them because yeah. we all know Nemesis was a bad send. Oh yeah, I mean all the all the like all the I feel all the TNG movies mm-hmm. like it just went from like you know, diplomat, like reasonable Picard. And then started, that's when it started to like the murder psycho Picard. <laughs> right. And it's like, like, I mean, the only good send off any of the movies were for any of the characters was nemesis was a decent send off for data. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really should have kept him dead. Yeah. Because like at that point he had like accepted like, okay, well that's uh, getting, beca- you know, untenable for me to play an ageless Android. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like, well, he, he asked to be killed off mm-hmm. in insurrection, but Rick Berman said, we'll do it in the next one. Yeah. We'll, we'll milk one. We'll keep milking your data teats and get another, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> another movie out of you before you become too old. Here. I have nipples, captain. Can you milk me? <laughs> but yeah, like not excited for this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, with that, let's, uh, what are your predictions for this season? What do you think is going to happen here? I have a couple stupid ones. Okay, go for it. All right. I think Vedic. I mean, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> I looked up the definition of Vedic, and it means like some 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 stuff. Some it's scrim- an ancient religion, basically. Yeah, ancient religion. So I was like, okay, maybe that's not it. Because <laughs> I was thinking like, what could be really stupid? <laughs> and so, because like you, because obviously this like like Vedic's um, 
uh, they they're known to have like created chanting meditation that's mm. still practiced today. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's... But uh, yeah, I was trying to think like who from the past because obviously this is a character that had been 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 wronged by the Enterprise mm-hmm. because that's why she's hunting them down. Supposedly. Right, right. And so yeah, w- w- so what do you what do you think that's about? Well, I mean, we have Moriarty, we have Lore. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if she's like actually also a hologram herself or something. I'm wondering if it's like a hologram or a positronic or a positronic. Some... But I was thinking maybe evil minuet. Interesting. <laughs> how about how about I pose this? Uh-huh. Uh, she is the child of Lauren Mariarty. <laughs> 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 they somehow figured out how to fuck. <laughs> I mean, they they you know they can they don't have to have like is I mean, lore data was fully functional. Lore mm-hmm. could be fully have fully functioning ovaries. And uh, maybe that holographic cum somehow works in the mm. positronic fallopian tubes. I can, I buy it. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Like, uh, well, I have another stupid idea. Yeah, go for it. All right. So I'm trying to connect it. I was trying to like trying to be trying to connect like the last season to this season in some sort of like in some sort of like crazy way. I mean, they could definitely connect it with uh, the soon thing. That's what I was way. getting at. And so and so uh one thing I did notice in the teaser that I don't know if you noticed is it did look like there was just briefly a shot of one person uh but there was a person like in the corner of the shot with a shitty white beard that looked a lot like uh Brent Spiner's profile. Oh, and so, so I'm wondering it... if he's lore and a soon of some type, because mm. they did tease at the very end of the last season the fucking con project. Thing. Yeah, well, that's what I was getting at. Like, I'm wondering if lore has always been that evil soon. Uh huh. Like, well, also, let me put this out there: Captain hmm. Vedic related in some way to Khan. Okay, but Khan didn't really have any problems with you know with the uh, Enterprise D. He has problems with the Federation, though. True, but he but Vedic seems to be personally targeting um, Picard, Picard, and True. and his crew. True, and so uh, yeah, interesting. Mm. So uh, for me, uh, I got some predictions here, mm. and we've just discussed this before. There's got to be some closeouts here. There's got to be some heroes' deaths. Yes. All right. Uh, who do you think might die? Has to die. I think Riker. Is gonna die. Mm-hmm. Riker's not gonna die. I think Riker is for sure gonna die. I I think Riker is one of the f- people who cannot die. I don't know. I think. I mean, Jonathan Frakes is doing directing. He likes to work behind the scenes now, mostly. Right. Right. So I think I think he'd be totally fine with killing off Riker. I think he'd be fine with it, but I don't think anyone would like that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't like that. No, no. Well, that's right. a, well. I mean, right. are they are they doing anything that anybody likes? True. I mean, Ry- <laughs> Riker, why... Riker is there to be the perennial sexy spaceman. Yeah. And just like the generally cool dude who like can somehow do no wrong, no matter how bad of a franchise he's in. Yeah, it's true. He he is in almost inarguably the worst episode of any Star Trek. Two, the two worst episodes of any Star Trek. Stars mm-hmm. in them. We got uh, Shades of Grey and then the finale to fucking Enterprise. <laughs> right? Yeah. Both, both of which are dog shit mm-hmm. it's and, true. and still he's like and on several episodes of uh, season one of picard yeah yeah <laughs> no he's i mean but given yeah the episodes here he's in are by far the best episodes of that season that's true um that's, yeah. yeah because he 
because he had what uh, no one else had in that in the in those uh, charisma charisma yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and but I don't know I like I was watching it and I was getting that feeling that because like now that like Worf's a pacifist I'm like okay maybe they're not because he would be the too obvious one yeah exactly and I think and, they might go for the obvious one um I think Jordy and Crusher might also I do think Crusher seemed to be dead or something or in like stasis so I do mm-hmm. wonder if they do or if yeah because we only hear a do we see her in the thing? I think we might only hear this. Yeah. And we see her in like that coffin looking thing. So I'm wondering if she does get killed. Because mm-hmm. I'm cause I'm wondering because like, you know, it her death is what jump starts the whole mm-hmm. um the whole story. But who knows? Like, I don't know. I'm 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 leaning on Riker though. I got a feel I got a feeling. I, I you know what? The person they need to kill though. Hmm. John Luke Picard. <laughs> yeah. They need to like no, finalize him. Oh, Patrick. Yeah, just like take him and shoot him. <laughs> like, like straight up. They they need to be like, f- they need to blow him up. Like they need to incinerate him. They they can't give him a fucking remember moment or anything. Yeah, like that. Or, like, or or save his uh, positronic brain. Of no, or no, like. no. They need to kill the character finally because they need to put the character to rest and give him a hero's death. They need to give him a great like a. Finding a final resolution mm-hmm. that will somehow resolve and make the last two seasons of Picard less miserable. Mm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not holding out. I'm for not any, holding out for anything either. I'm not. But, ho- I, I'm definitely not holding out for this being an enjoyable experience. No, like I. I this is going to be some real cock and ball torture. But you know, like it might make it might make <laughs> us like come in the end, mm-hmm. but. The road to get there is <laughs> rocky, to say the least. But I will say it's much easier making fun of something that's bad. True. Then you know, then you know, because we, you know, strange new worlds and lower decks, we pretty much, you know, you know, love. You know, we're both yeah. like very much about those, and so mm-hmm. it's talking about them. It's just like, yeah, we can say stuff. But I think like Picard will definitely give us that. Did you see that dog shit? Yeah. <laughs> type type moments. Yeah, which is fun. <laughs> I mean, we. I feel like we can like kind of pull humor out of anything at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's but true. I, but, so. I, but it will give it will give us like endless material. True, true. So <laughs> uh, another one of my predictions is I think we're definitely going to see a uh, like a heel turn from either Lore or Moriarty, and they're oh. going to help them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely got that from Moriarty. I think yeah, Moriarty yeah, I think, is definitely helping. Yeah, I definitely think Moriarty is going to be, like, there to, like, actually help them in some way. Yeah, like, or he's, he's going to like use the, that old-timey gun to shoot Vedic or some yeah, shit. Yeah, or, like, yeah, at first you're going to be like, oh, Moriarty, he's going to be doing a villainous thing, but then you're going to find out that what he's doing is actually heroic, and mm. he's, he's got his own reasons or something, you know? Yeah. I and def- he's going to be like, Picard, my old friend. <laughs> I forgive you for locking me in that tiny shoebox or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> you scamp, you rascal. Uh, and then for for lore, mm. uh, I definitely think there's going to be some soon connection. Yeah, and I think Brent Spiner is probably going to be a double duty in this, and mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be. And they really, honestly, in my opinion, should not have Brent Spiner in the season at all. No. As much as I like Brent Spiner. Yeah, we love it, Brent Spiner. Yeah. Um but but <laughs> but if I could say something to him uh in the casting director, I'd say, uh, could you not? Could you not? Could you not? Yeah, like I, I it would be interesting if they I mean, I'm not sure if interesting is the word, but <laughs> interesting's a fine word. But like uh, you know, if they do connect like, you know, the con project. 
with like the re- with like the cloning that the evil Soong was doing, and may- maybe that's why all the Soongs look exactly the same, and like they're all played by Brent Spiner. Okay. And but I was also thinking like maybe it would uh, like connecting also connected it like I didn't notice like the evil Soong like you did in the trailer mm-hmm. or the or the bearded Soong. Yeah, there's just someone with a shitty white beard, and so that can't be that can't be um, uh, Riker because he's got a great beard. Could be Worf. <laughs> But I think he's got a fake beard in there. Mm. It looks it looks fine. But also wondering if like actually like the reason why Lore is like has so much personality is also it is like that evil Soong's brain downloaded into the and and and, and Lore has been that evil Soong all along. Oh, that's yeah. an interesting idea. That's actually not something I thought of. That yeah. like yeah, his positronic brain could be holding someone else's mm-hmm. essence, basically. Yeah, and that's that's the way oh. he that's the way he kind of like got immortality in a way interesting idea i never yeah. even thought about that yeah i had i had to actually like to have that you know i was trying to think of what the dumbest idea that they could do and i went and got a um a dark web lobotomy oh <laughs> so and so i was just like uh to predict what the what the picard writers are going to do i have to think like the picard writers yeah. <laughs> and so you just like went to a preschool and you're like what is what does the spaceman do yeah. what does the old spaceman, spaceman do <laughs> The spaceman has a girlfriend. Oh, the spaceman has a girlfriend. We did. Now. We didn't see the spaceman's girlfriend in this. We didn't. Yeah, um, there's no Laris. Yeah, we didn't see Laris. I don't know if she's scheduled to be here. Uh, if she is here, though, I definitely think. And if we do see Crusher, I think there's going to be some like tension there. Some maybe mm-hmm. romantic. If, tension. if she's if yeah, yeah even if uh, yeah if Crusher's alive to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, Raffi and Seven are going to be fine. Yeah. I think they're probably going to try to maybe introduce some new characters in here to shoehorn into the uh, supposed Seven of Nine series. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to kickstart, and obviously, also, obviously, Raffi's going to be in that if uh, that happen. I was also think like, oh, and also like that one line um, when Worf is like, uh, "Look at her. I used to be like her." Oh, irrational yeah. and and what? Oh, that was definitely about Raffy, right? Yeah, that was definitely about Raffy. But I never thought Worf was irrational. Like, no, he, he's, no. He's a, he was a Starfleet officer. He yeah. was always he was always just kind of trigger happy. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't say irrational. He was always just like fuck him. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Raffy's gonna be in it. And like. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my final prediction on it is I think Amanda Plummer is going to be maybe the daughter of someone Picard killed or some shit. My, yeah. my guess was maybe uh, like someone from the TNG movies. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it was a uh, Soren from Generations. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because like um, I was like I, I read something where she was referred to as an alien humanoid. So she's not she's not of Earth. Another interesting idea, because uh, they they were talking about a, one of the producers, I think, uh, was talking about a while ago, that they were bringing back, like, a villain from, like, DS9 in a way. In, mm. a way. in a way. They said they had, like, a connection to DS9. I'm wondering, here's an idea. Maybe someone coming after Picard, whose, like, parents died in the Battle of Warf 359 oh, yeah. or something like that. That could be it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because, I mean, Picard hasn't wronged a ton of people in comparison to Benjamin Sisko, Captain Kirk, yeah. Catherine Janeway, um, you he, know, Jonathan Archer, basically every other captain. Like, Picard, 
Picard is always is the basically the most diplomatic person. Yeah. Like you don't see him doing any direct war crimes like fucking, you know, mm. every other character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was watching uh, Enterprise the other day and did the episode where um Dear they, Doctor? Uh no, they uh oh. they kill accidentally kill like three thousand people on the planet. Well, it, well, because like they get um uh sabotaged by the Sula band, but oh like, yeah, okay, yeah, but yeah. they're like, oh my god, we killed everybody, and then like they then like Archer's like, feeling like shit. And he's like, oh, we didn't. The Sula band sabotaged us, so it was <laughs> yeah. actually their fault. <laughs> Whoo, we don't care anymore. I'm like, well, Thank that's fucked god. up. Thank well, god. I can go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, <laughs> it's bedtime. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, whoa, that, you just you just recover from that. I'm like, no, no time. But um, uh, yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting, yeah, because, like, he would get some sort of, like, um, retribution for Wolf 359, which he didn't really. So it's like... He never had his comeuppance. I never mean, had any comeuppance, so... They, they just, like, immediately, like, three months after he was fine, they're like, oh, you're captain again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just go go hang out with your brother, your fucking asshole brother, and have, like, you know, get over mm-hmm. your shit, fucking have a little mud fight, and then yeah. just come back. Mm-hmm. Think think about maybe working for the Atlantis project on the sea floor, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then you know come back. Yeah, and come back. You know it's fine. So you killed. You know you blew up a bunch of starships and yeah, you, you, know, you orphaned a lot of children. <laughs> yeah, everyone uh, everyone Starfleet basically hates you for what you did. Yeah, but uh, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that makes sense. Like, and, but then and then you wonder. I kind of also wonder what like because I was trying to think like what's the Vedic. Moriarty lore connection, right? Or and or is there a connection? Is there a connection? There, there could be no connection between it's, the it's, three. It's sort of like you know those um those uh Batman movies. Hon- honestly, you know what would fuck harder than anything hmm. is if it was just episodic and they were just three different villains. From oh my three god! Three different episodes. Could you, could you please? God. Well, <laughs> the thing is, um, apparently, uh, Moriarty, um. In an interview, something buried deep in an interview, he said that basically all his scenes took one day to film. So there's no way he's like in there a ton. No. You know? Yeah, I mean, he has to be, how old is he? Like, he has to be pretty old now. I mean, probably as old as Patrick Stewart. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, so, I mean, yeah, he's probably like, I can get up off of this chair for like 10 seconds at a time. So get your scenes. Also, I don't know if you noticed, but every time it showed fucking Patrick Stewart in the thing, I think he was sitting down. Yeah. It's just like, I, I don't stand up this season. I, I'm okay with the captain's. I mean, also, I I would have loved, because I got the Picard that I had in my mind before this even started was like a more of a low key, lower stakes type show like which, the, loki the god of mischief like, yes like oh yes 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 loki the god Somebody of mischief you stop me <laughs> <laughs> yes like picard gets the mask <laughs> and he's and he sings uh um you know the cabana music you know his little thing like yeah and that would have been amazing <laughs> My name is Cuban Pete. I'm the king of the rumba beat. <laughs> I am Cuban Picard. <laughs> I mean, the mask really just does seem like a holodeck program, right? It does. It oh, my God. a great holodeck that, episode. That, that, that would be funny if that's his secret shame. <laughs> it's like he's just like, you know, he's always makes everyone think that he's all into Shakespeare and like the classics and stuff like that. Oh, but God. then he goes into the into the holodeck and he just puts the mask on and... <laughs> It's a, yeah. um, uh, the episode masks part two. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, that's our, 
or big talk about uh, Picard, and we'll be reviewing that come February of next year if we're both still alive. <laughs> Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Only you know, time like, will tell. You no, know, as as we learned from this, you know, the uh, lower decks episode, life is fragile. Life is fragile. Yeah, we could both be dead. Elsewhere in Trek news, <laughs> it was also revealed this week at uh, New York City Comic Con that there will be a return of none other than my favorite captain, hmm. Ronnie Cox, oh, as Captain Jellico to the franchise. Right now, just in Star Trek Prodigy as, uh, as uh, Admiral Jellico. Okay. Um, as we learned in Lower Decks. Uh, and he will be reprising his role uh, there from Star Trek The Next Generation. Wait, Ronnie Cox is still alive? He's still alive. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I thought he died. No, he's hmm. still... Good for him. Still slinging Cox. Hells yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what, did he make an appearance in that new RoboCop movie? That would have been fun. I don't think so. I mean, that Robo- I heard that movie sucked, but... <laughs> Executive producer and cro- uh, co-creator of Prodigy, Kevin Hageman explained how Jellicle fits in the show, saying, quote, Admiral Janeway needs to have a foil. She needs a boss who is going to make things hard for her. Who better than Admiral Jellicle? Mm. Good good point. Tough but fair. Indeed. Tough but fair. Like a bad steak. (laughs) Uh, uh, It was also revealed that we'll also see the Borg, Romulans and Klingons in the second half of the first season. Okay. As well as Milgrew returning to a non-holographic Janeway, uh, taking double duty as both the holographic Janeway and Admiral Janeway. Oh, interesting. All right. I mean, I haven't, I haven't really, I've only seen like two episodes of Prodigy, so I need to catch up on that. Hmm. Indeed. So, and that's Trek news for the week. In actual news this week, Alex Jones. Oh yeah. Of Infowars has uh, been ordered to pay. Nine hundred and sixty-five million dollars to the plaintiffs in a large defamation case in Connecticut, mm-hmm. which is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's also he was trying to hide his assets in Infowars. He's been trying to. Well, I mean, yeah, Infowars amongst many other companies. So basically, mm-hmm. I think I think the holding company that holds most of the actual money there is Free Speech Systems <laughs> LLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's also a ton of different sub companies like Infowars Health, mm-hmm. uh, Infowars LLC. Oh yeah, where they sell all Info the fake War. pills and shit. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> like so many different subsidiaries of this, mm-hmm. and they're broken into so many different like sub corporations. Uh, do you listen to Knowledge Fight at all? Mm-mm. I would highly recommend it. Great mm-hmm. podcast. Um, uh, two guys, Dan and Jordan. Just sit down, and one of them listens to every single episode. They basically do what we w- do with Star Trek. But with Alex Jones, and basically, usually every week they do uh, some new episodes, mm-hmm. and then like an old episode of Infowars. Hmm. So basically, exactly what we do, yeah. But with Alex Jones, <laughs> it's fascinating. That, they, that seems that seems more more uh, more brain hurting <laughs> to me. Uh, can be, can yeah. be. I, don't I mean, know. they were really funny. I don't I mean, know. Uh, well, I mean, I guess you weren't part of the review for season two of Picard. I so. wasn't. <laughs> So you don't know exactly how brain hurting it gets, my friend. I mean, we're I mean we're about to we're on the cusp of doing Picard season three, so which has potential to be good. It could be good. I don't think so. It could be. I mean, I I I went into Picard season one with high hopes, and then like 
I went into season two with high hopes. <laughs> See, like, fool me three times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fool me three times. I'm stalking the producers with a knife. <laughs> I'm sending messages written in my own blood. <laughs> On a brick through your window. Weird. The brick is red, too. I guess you don't see the message. I guess I'll have to yell it at what you. What is he trying to say here? Sleep. <laughs> um, so... Uh, this is combined with a $47 million judgment from Texas, which was mm. unfortunately capped at about $5 million. Yeah, I heard that's why they, yeah, because Connecticut doesn't have the cap. Yeah. and um, But yeah, Texas does, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But I mean, they could have really sued him for defamation in any state in the union, though. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, a lot of people in the case were like forced to move several times. Oh, yeah, because he, of he had a coordinated threats. harassment campaign against yeah. these people and like, yeah, like the people went and defaced the children's graves, and which is so fucked and, up. And uh, yeah, and and people and everyone and uh, like one guy, one I remember reading an interview with one guy, uh, one of the fathers, and he had to move every three months. Yes, because yep. he because mm-hmm. and change his name because just like people would find out where he is, and then like yeah. just keep and stalk him, and mm-hmm. you know send messages to his jobs and everything yeah. else. So it's just like unfortunately, um, well, one of the uh, plaintiffs in the case actually committed suicide. No, right, yeah. damn. Which is fucking unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, so, he, I mean, his da- I mean, his daughter dies in a fucking tragedy, and mm-hmm. then there is a coordinated campaign to, I mean, make his life fucking miserable. Yeah, which is just like <laughs> unfathomable on just like not just on like a human basis, but on just like a, a logical basis of like what the fuck? Yeah, that's like just disrespecting because. Alex Jones, his big thing is he's a, a Christo nationalist. Like he is very Christian and mm-hmm. he's very much a nationalist. And so he he believes in Christianity. And a big thing of Christianity in mm-hmm. all religions is respect for the dead. Yeah. I mean and this of, is like of a, certain of certain cat Christian denominations. That's true. I mean, like there is just like he adopting to, he, Christianity he, as a deflection of, right. of, of, of criticism. Well, because and, and yeah. give a, yeah, he, goes to, he goes to Mars Hill Church. Mm. Which is that the one you know? It's it's made by a guy who like condones fucking wife beating and shit. You know? It's, yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those. It's a mega church. Yeah, just the religion. Yeah, re- using religion as a way of justifying um, awful behavior and oh, absolutely. And it's just yeah. I mean, obviously, like he doesn't actually have any sort of faith that guides him towards a what that has like gives him a good moral center. No, no, he, <laughs> so. he, he his faith is really more of just a deflection against criticism because mm-hmm. he can just say, well, that's what God says. Yeah. And then also uh, a way to criticize his enemies because if he cannot come up with anything material and substantive to actually say about them, he's like, well, they're the devil. Yeah. And yeah. it has a moral superiority when he does it you know, mm-hmm. just, and, and, and feels that his moral stance is backed up by, you know, obviously it can't be backed up by facts, but backed up by like a larger, um, you know, uh, uh, presence that justifies everything but yeah he's he's fuck that dude <laughs> yeah fuck fuck alex jones i'm so glad that this is happening it's yeah. so funny he was found in default and uh like uh, several years ago he was already denied appeal so this is really happening yeah like he can't get out of this mm-hmm. like he has to basically dissolve his companies unless they're somehow worth more than a billion dollars, which everyone very much doubts. Yeah. Like, I mean, he does make, I mean, who knows how much he makes with those pills. 
I mean, not, not the else. pills. Like, the big thing he was making money on was uh, was food supplies for, mm. like, end-of-time shit. Oh, yeah. Like, they're all doing that grift. Oh, yeah. Like, my uh, my parents bought into all that bullshit. <laughs> like, because, yeah, it's such a... And it's it's all the same company. Patriot Food Systems, mm-hmm. I think, is what it's called. Yeah, because you just hilarious. fucking eat, like, like, fucking oatmeal. Yeah. Is no, like- <laughs> and that's, it, it's all dry shit. It's like, yeah. it's like fucking, like... Uh, you know, a half a ton of oatmeal and like a, a quarter ton of, of like dry tea and dry mm-hmm. coffee. It's like, yeah, it's, it's shit that you buy for, they, for, for pennies on the dollar. Right. And right. Just, and they, and they charge like crazy amount. You can buy like a $12,000 mm-hmm. package of this food. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I apparently mean, they were making like a 60% markup on it or some mm-hmm. shit. So it's like from that $12,000, they're making like seven grand, mm-hmm. which is insane. Yeah, which is why like all the all the all, yeah the evangelists are doing it like every pretty much all like the yeah the right wing grift now. I mean, it was rumor when like they're doing like the buy the gold. Oh, and they're they, o- they're always doing buy yeah, the gold. Yeah, and like all but, crazy but it, all that is is like the, the gold plated uh, money, oh, not yeah. actual gold. But yeah, now it's like now they're really doing the food thing, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just a huge huge like you can, like if you want to do that kind of shit like that's cool. Like, but you can do it in a way that's smart. You can just go to the exact, to the source mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, buy yeah. a bunch of, buy like a pound, buy like three pounds of uh, fucking dry oatmeal for like $3. <laughs> yeah. If you really are afraid of like end times happening, yeah. there's not a lot of things that are really going to help you. Yeah. And if you're looking at actual like end times that make sense and shit, like what you want to do is buy land with a good water table yeah. that only you have access to mm-hmm. because food i mean you know there's a supply chain here like water is going to be the first thing to go oh yeah especially Everywhere. especially you Everywhere. know you know it's you know water is quickly being privatized oh yeah and water sources and also yeah and, and also it's like the like a good thing to do like i think is also just like there is like the you know doing going the dystopian route and then there's also like trying to build better community with the people around you and and built you know like for getting people and make you know having like something that would withstand like a community that of like-minded individuals that are just like cool because <laughs> like because if when things go down like all we have to really rely on is each other like like you know like a lot of like the individual like the individualist like kind of behavior that mm-hmm. they're selling is like oh you gotta like hide, store all this food and then hide by yourself and it's just like no nah, it's like what's really gonna like bring people out of any sort of like large catastrophe is like is community. community. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, like no one makes it through yet. Yeah, rugged individualism <laughs> doesn't help when the world is ending. Yeah. It's, and it's, 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 it's doesn't like the whole rugged individualism that we sell in this country is not real. It's like, like we like it's So like it's fucking movie fantasy shit. Yeah, It's, it's it. fantasy shit. And it's like, we, we like, we all, we are all a system that relies on one another Mm -hmm. and that's just the truth of things. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We're like, I don't know, but still, if you want to just go buy food, don't do it from (laughs) Alex Jones or any of those people. Yeah. Just fucking like go to a place with like, like look for bulk places that sell food. Look at where (laughs) food plants buy their shit from. Yeah. And fucking buy giant bulk stuff. Go to, go to your fucking co-op. Your co-op will sell you bulk stuff at a discount. You can buy your fucking 50 pound bags of oats and you can buy 10 of them. They don't give a fuck. They'll sell Mm -hmm. it to you. Yeah. And just, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, but you know, this, this is a successful grift that lots of people fall for. I mean, they wouldn't be, 
like Alex Jones wouldn't have like this this um fared away like probably a billion dollars if he if it wasn't working, you know, and it's also selling his fake, you know, brain force pills mm-hmm. and everything else that he like that are just to make you extra red. <laughs> to make you extra red mm-hmm. and uh, are just filled with soy. Yes. <laughs> so he's the um, real soy boy. He is the real soy boy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, that dude fucking sucks. Yeah, like I I I am excited to see him ruined, but I feel like he's all I mean because I mean they I mean like the the public at large has been trying to just like you know protect him you know he's he's a frequent guest on Joe Rogan mm-hmm. like all that shit and like and you know he had that like sort of like um when uh, Fox News you know uh, what's her face she was trying to like run defense for him uh the blonde Megan Kelly Megan Kelly mm-hmm. was trying to run defense for him. And more like Megan Smelly. Am I right, guys? <laughs> Megan Smelly. Got him. She smells like bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever happened to her? I don't know. Hopefully she's rotting in hell. But yeah. She's probably rich somewhere. Yeah, probably. probably. I mean, that's the thing. That's a, that's what was surprising to me that he actually, that Alex Jones did actually have some sort of re- repercussions for this. Because mm-hmm. I always assumed, like, I don't know, I I do kind of go like a little like, uh, uh, you know, negative when, when these things happen. Like, oh, you know, he's going to get away with it. Yeah. I mean, because if you're a leftist, you are automatically pessimist because (laughs) (laughs) everything bad always happens and Mm -hmm. every right wing grifter piece of shit always gets away with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it, it is exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to follow this for the next, you know, however long it takes for them to like get his money. But who knows? Like I also kind of like under the idea, like have have you ever heard like the theory that he's actually like a uh, CIA plant? To kind of like um, undermine like the whole uh, conspiracy community. I mean, I guess, but he's it hasn't undermined it at all. Like, yeah, it, the it, conspiracy it, community has become a legitimate political faction mm. in the past twenty years, in large part because of him. Yeah, so well, if oh, that's what the CIA is trying to do, <laughs> they fucked up, which makes me believe it what? could be it because the CIA, if they're good at one thing besides, yeah. you know, overthrowing socialist governments <laughs> in uh, the global south, um, is fucking up. Yeah, it's so, true. So, I, yeah, I wonder if he did get too big and that's why this why he did get repercussions. Yeah. Because, like, because that, that is the theory the, that he's but like. I'm surprised they didn't just JFK him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would martyr him, I guess, in a way now because of his. I even think like this might martyr him in a way where it's just like, you know, people will see this as justification that the deep state is trying to ruin him. At the same time, there's no way he's ever going to rebuild the empire that he's built. I don't know. I mean, especially he has that kind of cultural cachet anymore. Yeah. And especially because like he was really heavily fueled by like the Obama years. Yeah. Joe Biden, as much as like people hate him and the let's go Brandon, whatever, it doesn't have quite the same. What? Uh, how do you put it? Racial fervor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, Obama did. Mm-hmm. So you know, I was thinking about it the other day too. Just as a quick aside, uh, as soon as he got into the second term, Obama really should have just gotten cornrows, right? <laughs> like just have been like, man, fuck you. <laughs> like that really would have sent a message, but he mm. didn't, unfortunately. No. Or or an afro. Or like the R. Kelly half Afro, half cornrows. <laughs> Maybe not R. <laughs> Kelly, but you know, someone else who does that who's not um, R. Kelly. Yeah, you know what? He could have tried it, but he didn't. I guess. I guess. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, either way, it's like, I don't know. Presidents, who needs them? 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Speaking of setting precedents, am I right, guys? Oh. That wasn't good at all. No. Uh, we, <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was good. No, it wasn't. We watched uh, some new Trek this week. There was some new Trek on yesterday. Hells yeah. Uh, we watched some Lower Decks. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about Trek, baby. Let's talk about Trek, baby. Let's talk about all the bad times, all the bad times that maybe. Let's talk about Trek. Oh boy, new Trek this week. Uh, Lower Decks, uh, season three, episode yeah. eight, Crisis Point Two, Paradus. Released on Thursday, October thirteenth, twenty twenty-two. Yesterday. Uh, written by Ben Rogers, who is the executive story editor for the series, uh, wrote Crisis Point Part One, a couple episodes of Workaholics, oh. and is the voice of Steve Stevens <laughs> on the series. <laughs> Did he do the one with like, why are you coming at me so torqued, bro? I'm fully torqued. I don't think so. <laughs> Um, and it was directed by Michael Mullen in his third directed episode of the season, uh, having also done The Least Dangerous Game and Reflections, and he's mm. also the guy who did a bunch of Kung Fu Panda series. Oh. Like, yeah, they I bring up the, the the Kung Fu Panda series a lot in the, all these people. Well, no, that's because just Michael Mullen oh, has directed three guy. episodes now, so <laughs> I keep mentioning that guy specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we open on the USS Cerritos being fired on by a Romulan ship. The Romulans are getting the best of them, and we go to the bridge where it's reported that the Romulans are beaming onto the ship. Jack Ransom tells the captain they're going to give them a welcome party and grabs a phaser while throwing one to Shax, who is ready to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, elsewhere on the ship, we see two science officers guarding a mysterious device when the Romulans beam aboard. Um, they tell the scientist to hand over the device, which is in a case, and he starts to say he'll destroy the device before, but then he dematerializes under disruptor fire from the Romulans, and the device drops to the ground, which appears to be like some sort of crystal in this case. Mm-hmm. The Romulans pick it up happily. Uh, just then, the security team makes it to the room and fires on the Romulans, but they're already beaming away from them. Shax is very disappointed. On the Romulan ship, the Romulan team beams back and reports to their captain that the device has been secured. The commander is pleased, and uh, what appears to be her two assistants, but I later realized are her co-captains, maybe? Yeah, co-cap, yeah. Never really say Yeah, the triplets. Yeah, they're they're like Romulan triplets. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, modeled after the Dura sisters with their... Open, uh, open some some cleavage showing. Just got, got yeah. them, them biddies showing. Yeah, got them biddies going out. And... We we love Star Trek biddies. Oh yeah. Like, anytime they're showing some titties up in Star Trek, I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, Star Trek, show me damn titty. Yeah, get in catch their name. What were their names? Um, the Titty Sisters. The titty. Yeah, we call them the Biddy Sisters. Yeah, the Biddy Sisters. How about that? <laughs> the Biddy Triplets. The the Titty Triplets. The 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 tit 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 titlets. No. Mm. That, that sounds you know, too much you, like a gum. You know, you tried to get it to work? Yeah. It's like my penis. <laughs> Try to get it to work? Not happening. Not today. But trying to get your penis to work? Try BlueChew.com. <laughs> Not, we're, we haven't decided on them or Romans yet. We're still deciding on, oh, yeah. on ads to go with. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. No, well, if they hear that, then they can, they probably like, oh, that was pretty good. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so the commander is pleased, and the other two uh, who look just like her, apparently her sisters, mm-hmm. order the Cerritos to be fired upon and destroyed. On the Cerritos, things are looking grim, and Captain Freeman begins to say, I was hoping I'd never have to give this order, but all hands to S. Probably skate pods. But just then, the USS Wayfarer jumps out of warp. Yeah, little, just, little Greg goes, it's the Wayfarer! Indeed. <laughs> just in time to save the day. Freeman says um, the thanks should be given to Captain Basufalist Dagger which is an incredible name. Yeah. Uh, who it shows just long enough for us to realize it's Bradward Boimler. Oh, shit. Brave Boimler on the deck, baby. Opening credits at 141. Very quick opening sequence there. Mm-hmm. We're back on the USS Wayfarer now, and Captain Dagger addresses Commander Doodle, who is apparently Mariner, which is a really good name. Yeah, Rebecca Doodle. Rebecca Doodle is a fun name. (laughs) Um, He says it's about time they introduce the Romulan Warbird to the biggest kid on the block. This is a very different design of a Warbird than I've seen before. Mm. Um, Doodle commands Rutherford who was a lieutenant commander here, to fire disruptors at the Warbird. And for some reason, they have him and Tendi, both of whom are lieutenant commanders at both of the consoles. Yeah. And it's very rare you have two people that are that high ranking on both ops and navigation. Usually mm-hmm. navigation's like an ensign, right? Yeah. Strange. Yeah. Um, I'd include him somewhere. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, I mean, one of them could be, you know... Like comms or security, yeah. I guess. But I guess neither of them are comms or security. No. Engineering and uh, science respect. <laughs> Maybe not. Mm. Maybe not. Anyway, um, back on the uh, Warbird, the Romulan commanders are screaming for Captain Dagger's head. But one of the sisters says they already have what they came for, indicating the crystal in the case. And they go to warp and escape the Federation ships. Back on the Wayfarer, Lieutenant Commander Tendi asks if she should set course to pursue the ship, but Captain Dagger says to stay back, as their primary mission is to protect the Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Freeman hails Dagger and asks if he's late because, uh, because he stopped for Ractagino. <laughs> Fun little reference there. Um, but also, at the same time, in the future, no one's going to... St- like stop. We have Yeah, there's no there's no drive throughs. Coffee right. drive throughs. <laughs> there's no there's no cars in the future. I yeah, you could you could you could uh you could just yeah materialize it, but you know. Yeah. Every city is walkable in, in my future, mm-hmm. I believe. That would be nice. Yeah. If we had like public transport that worked. Yeah. That'd be sick as hell. Like I was thinking that on the way here is like like there was just like just backed up traffic. Like, it took, like, 30 minutes to travel, like, two miles. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard the future is either Tokyo or, like, Amsterdam. Uh, It's definitely um, nowhere else, though. (laughs) Definitely not any city in America. No. Like, we live live in a walkable city in America, and it's, like, laughably walkable. Like, Mm -hmm. you can walk the city, but it's, like, still made for cars. It's stupid as hell. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 like, uh... Yeah, uh, where I walk around, like my yeah, where I live, like it's pretty walkable. I if I can typic, I can t- typically do like a three mile walk down to cool stuff, or 
Octophanes, but define cool stuff. Like a dead body. You know? Movie theater, yeah, cool dead body. De- dead body. <laughs> you know, red light district. Mm-hmm. Dead well, body I typically want to be in my district. car when I go to the red light district. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you pick up someone in the red light district, they will be a dead body eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that means you kill kill prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, yes. I <laughs> So Freeman hails Dagger and asks if he, uh, yeah. So Dagger asks what the Melpinar sisters were after. Which ah, is yeah, Melpinar. Melpinar. Uh, and Freeman tells him it was the Chronogami, a top secret prototype uh, which can penetrate temporal barriers. She then explains how it's a combination of Chronos for time and Gami, like origami, because time folds. Mm-hmm. Great explanation. I love. I love that. Um, that. Uh that name <laughs> it's a good name chronogrammy yeah i like it i like it yeah when you just it, on it, you know what it really sounds like it sounds like a really good strain of weed oh yeah yeah the the, the chronogrammy yeah, sounds good. yeah i mean that's the thing if like if you know more strains of weed come out like they should start be, start looking at there's like, always lower new decks. strains of weed coming yeah. out like every day it's crazy yeah we can just like next one should be called chronogrammy or like lower decks yeah mm. so dagger says he thought the chronogrammy was theoretical uh, Freeman says um, the theory has been proven, and now the Romulans have it. Just then, Boimler or Dagger gets a call, or Boimler, I guess, gets a call and freezes the holodeck program, letting us know he's been acting this whole thing out um, with Tendi, Rutherford, and Mariner. They're in the holodeck. Boimler takes the page, and he's being paged to Ransom's office. Tendi says she thought Boimler was off duty, and he says he is. And it's most likely just Ransom uh, just needs a, someone to spot him for his sets of Tellarite deadlifts, <laughs> which I got to wonder, what, what does that entail? Yeah. yeah. Curious. Indeed. I mean, we did do see he has a squat rack in there. Oh, yeah. We love a good squat rack. Mm-hmm. You made your own squat rack, didn't you? I did. It's pretty cool. I'm working on another one now because like, uh, my first one got thrown away. It got thrown away? Yeah. That sucks. No, no, I didn't do it. It <laughs> sucks, dude. It's a squat rack. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a pretty sick squat rack. Squat I, racks are hard to find. Like, so I many built it gym, with my own two hands. So many gyms don't even have a squat rack, and it's stupid. Oh, I know. Or the squat rack is constantly um, taken over. Mm-hmm. You have like people doing non-squat rack things in the squat. Oh rack. my god! When people when people are like <laughs> when when the when the fucking bench press is like occupied, so someone uses mm-hmm. the squat rack for their bench press. I'm like, yeah. kill yourself. Mm-hmm. just please kill yourself like i'm just like waiting i'm like god spotter just get distracted and let the weight fall yeah um, i'm trying to build a new one now i just uh the thing i used to drill the holes into the because like i built it out of wood and the thing that i drilled the holes into with the first one mm-hmm. it uh I, it just fucking died i mean i got like a really cheap one so no, i just gotta get a get a new one bummer get a um what's a harbor harbor freight Ooh, no, don't get anything from Harbor Freight. Yeah, exactly. Freight. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they say, so they actually say to always get things from Harbor Freight. Get things, if you go to Harbor Freight, get things that don't have moving parts. Like hammers, mm-hmm. fine, go get yeah. a hammer. There. <laughs> well, they also say you can get tools from Harbor Freight if you don't plan on using them very often. Because mm-hmm. Harbor Freight tools will work for a project or two. Oh, yeah, I mean. You, and then if you find yourself like actually using it till it dies, then buy a better version of that. Yeah. Yeah, but like mechanical stuff like there i've definitely had like um like grinders that i've gotten there and 
other stuff that is like just co- went completely kaput. But like, really? the- I I uh, I use Grinder on my phone. <laughs> then your Grinder keeps working. Yeah, yeah it certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> it's I can feel it working right now in my pocket. Oh shit! Hey, yeah. I'm kidding. I took off uh, took off notifications for that. Oh, good. Because you get too many. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I took off like all notifications from my phone, basically, except for like texts, mm-hmm. because I'm like, texts are kind of important. Like everything they else are. can wait. And I'm like, you know, everything else on fucking Instagram and, uh, you know, all the dating apps and shit. I'm like, I don't, I don't care that much. Yeah. I need it's to not f- that important. I need to figure out how to stop getting um, uh, notifications from like, you know, Facebook and all that stuff. Cause yeah, like I look at my phone and just like, ah, yeah. I, I I hate the phone. The phone is good for things. The phone's a good tool. It, is. it should be like a hammer. You should only use it to hit nails. Mm-hmm. Or people, <laughs> if you're like a killer. <laughs> um, it, hmm. Actually, in the uh, there's a movie called Dagon. Uh, it's based D- on Dagon H- rules. Yeah. Yeah, and like the character he uses like a cell phone as a weapon. A lot of it. Wait, I'm not, I'm thinking of a very different Dagon. I'm thinking of a fantasy movie from the 80s. Oh, no. There's like a, um, it's an H.B. Lovecraft uh, style movie. Hmm. It was made semi-recently. I mean, the, I, don't, I don't think he's using a smartphone as a weapon, but he does, like the main character doesn't have like, like any actual like weapons or anything. All he has on him is his phone. So he's like hitting fishmen in the face with the, with a cell phone and stuff. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Rutherford chimes in to say uh, the beginning of the program was awesome, but Mariner has some critiques. First, Captain Dagger as a name. But also, she doesn't want to have to do some convoluted time travel like going back to assassinate Kennedy, uh, which is obviously a reference to Harve Bennett's first draft of Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, in which uh, Kirk has to go back and make sure that the Kennedy assassination actually happens. And that Gene Roddenberry fought for so hard he got removed. Right, which is just like, (laughs) it's an insane idea. Like, it's absolutely... Actually, you know what? It might have been Roddenberry's idea instead of Harv Bennett. Yeah, I think it was Roddenberry's. Yeah, yeah, but it's still like... That would have been sick, though. It would have been like... I mean, especially if it was highly political and it's like... They get into like the whole CIA plot again, this JFK and shit. Like it would have been like, well, that may have been too early. I mean, it, maybe it wouldn't have been too early. Imagine if he made like JFK before fucking Oliver Stone did, but like oh basically God. in in like the purview of fucking Star Trek, that would have been incredible. Yeah, like, and there's just John Candy as a gay man <laughs> trying to kill fucking. That would have been funny if that's how they first realize. Like they look at the evidence and they're like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> there had to be more than one shooter." <laughs> And so then, like, and so it's Gene Rod, like that, like that. That's the so one bullet and one disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's this magic disruptor that can go in seven times. And... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I want that future where Gene Roddenberry actually cracks the cracks the JFK case. That would, uh, I, I'd be okay with that. To be honest, that sounds yeah. awesome as hell. I'd watch the fuck out of that. <laughs> Uh, so Boimler tells Mariner not to worry as Crisis Point 2 is just as good as the original, a reference to Season 1, Episode 9, Crisis Point, uh, where Mariner has a holodeck program in which she's the lead villain. Mm-hmm. She tells Boimler that he can't just piggyback off of her movie, and he responds that technically it was his hologram program first. Mm-hmm. The group then discusses how this is a sequel or not, especially since the villain from the first movie got blown up. 
Rutherford says you don't follow the villain and it's very much a sequel. I think maybe taking a coded shot at Star Trek two and three, uh, since Star Trek three has almost nothing to do with two except for the very end. Yeah. And they basically had to like retrofit two to make three, make any kind of sense. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of fun. Uh, so, Boimler ensures them that they're uh, going to love his program since it has everything. Action, adventure, romance. He skips the opening credits and tells them the chronogami uh, can be used to destroy any point in history. And Mariner asks if it creates a timeline similar to their own, but they play different, younger versions of themselves. Uh, Tendi says that would be a bit of a stretch, and Mariner says it better not suck. <laughs> yeah, and obviously a dig at uh, the 2009 Star Trek. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, which is, uh, yeah, they, they made some fun little digs at the Kelvin stuff here and there. Yeah. Boy- which, you know, those those movies are fine. They are. I like them yeah. enough. Um, so Boimler tells Mariner to let him know if she needs some hot sauce while she's eating her words in the third act. Whoa. Just as he continues the program and slinks away to go meet Ransom. The holodeck doors close and the opening credits play. Uh, Rutherford asks who he's playing and he gets to be Silvo Toussaint, a Cajun engineer, which he's pretty <laughs> excited about. Uh, Tendi plays Mina Vesper, who loves science but had a troubled childhood. <laughs> Mariner calls the whole thing fan fiction and says that Boimler better not draw this out. Just then, Boimler re-enters the holodeck looking very sad and despondent, but Mariner doesn't notice. She asks what Ransom wanted, and Boimler says he was just reassigning duty shifts. Just then, the movie's starting, and Tendi tells everyone to get back in character. After the credits, the crew find themselves on Europa at a Starfleet temporal laboratory where the chronogami was created. There they meet uh, Dr. Helena Gibson, who is a former lover of Captain Dagger and <laughs> obviously just like a, just the, a rework of... Um, Carol Marcus. Yeah, Carol Marcus from uh, mm-hmm. Star Trek 2 uh, and 3. Was she in 3? No. Mm, no. No, she was... No. No. I thought she was briefly in three, no? I thought she was briefly in just one of the other films. Maybe not, though. Mm. I I think she is briefly in three. I think we talked about this. Mm. Maybe not, though. Mm. Anyway. um, So, do-do-do, Marcus. Um, So, while Mariner laughs at the love interest, Boimler, whose enthusiasm is slightly dampened, tells her that the Romulans have the chronogami, and is only interested in that. Gibson tells them of their discovery of space-time world lines that prevent the beginning of existence from merging with the end, and that the chronogami is capable of folding these lines, allowing the user to travel to different points of time in either the past or future. In the hands of the Romulans, Mm -hmm. the chronogami (laughs) could be used to attack the Federation at any point in time even to the point of preventing its existence altogether. Oh, dang. While they try to come up with a plan to stop them, Boimler is distracted about the shortness and futility of life, which I definitely sympathize with. Gibson Mm -hmm. gives him a watch that can track the chronogami as it has limited chronog... 
Instagramic functionality. <laughs> and Mariner makes fun of the watch that moves forward the plot as a plot device, mm-hmm. which is a good point. Yeah, it is a plot device. Indeed. Yeah, like uh, I do, and also like how Rutherford goes like, "Look, wow, mind blowing graphics." <laughs> when they're showing like the uh, the uh, top secret uh, video of like how 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 it works. Uh, I'm, was, like, that, was that an homage to um the Genesis project? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah, like it's yeah, like the you know how they use like, reuse the Genesis it, graphics like in endlessly. Star Trek two, three, four, and five. I <laughs> yeah. think it's like yeah. everywhere. It's great because at the you know that time that was mind blowing. Well, it was the very first um fully computer animated sequence in a feature film. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. were very proud of it. Yeah. So tracking the Romulans to uh, Tadasior 9 to purchase... Tadasior, yeah. Is it Tadasior? Yeah, after... after, after uh, I think, yeah, Tadasore. Tadasore? Yeah, Tadasore. Yeah, like after the um, the uh, last name of the uh, voice actor for Shax. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, that place is filled with, with uh, black market something or other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, black market materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go there specifically... Um, for Valerian Detronium to power the chronogasmic matrix. <laughs> uh, and I think Tendi says, uh, don't, or someone says, don't use that many made up words in a row. <laughs> which is funny. Uh, Boimler, yeah, I'm going to have a chronogasm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Boimler has them plot a course, ignoring Gibson's request for a private talk. Mm. Um, Mariner is confused that Boimler would ignore the romantic subplot, though Boimler replies that it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. The crew arrive at Tanisior 9 and walk through the black market, where numerous beings are expressing various beliefs and philosophies. And it's like a desert planet where they have to wear robes, definitely like... um. The planet in Star Trek Five, mm-hmm. I forget the name. The Peace Planet, where they have to go, where you know, yeah, and wear the robes and all that fucking shit. And there's horses and whatever. Yeah, it and, looks like Tatooine too. Yeah, and uh, uh, <laughs> Kirk Kirk beats up a stripper. Yeah, he yeah he throws a stripper into a into a fish tank or something. <laughs> yeah, which is really just wild man. I'm sure that I'm sure that's based on a true story. <laughs> just like just like uh, Will Shatner went into like. Uh, <laughs> into a strip club and yeah he's like well I'm, I'm directing this movie i'm gonna let it be a slice of life yeah and they're just like get the fuck out of here he's like i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna throw you in the goddamn fish tank bitch <laughs> really and in real life it was him getting thrown into the fish tank <laughs> <laughs> the bouncers just dunking him in the fish tank <laughs> don't touch the dancers <laughs> don't you know who i am no i don't <laughs> they throw him out on the street uh, I don't recognize you without your wig. It's... Sorry, I have sex. I don't watch Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the crew arrive there. Uh, Boimler hears one person talking uh, of a being named Kiti Ha, who has the true answers for life's most important questions. Obviously, a takeoff of uh, Shaka Ri from Star Trek uh, Five or uh, V'ger. Or V'ger, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, while Mariner readies herself for an impending action scene, Boimler approaches the alien, curious about Kiti Ha. Mariner, uninterested in chatting with the generic extra holograms, including one who says the purple-haired one knows much, 
and she tries to get Boimler's attention focused back on the main plot. However, mm -hmm. Boimler's program is adaptive, and he believes that there's more meaning behind what they're saying. As they talk, Tendi detects the chronogami, um, and the Romulans crash through the market on a speeder. Freeman locates some grav cycles, and they begin to pursue the Romulans with the rest of the team. Mariner, much more interested in the, in the ensuing chase, tries to pull Boimler away, but Boimler gives Tendi command of the Kronogami mission, much to her delight, whereby Mich uh, Mariner complains that Boimler took an hour to set up his own MacGuffin that he's not even going after. <laughs> Which is actually, I, I like it when they actually like point out tropes in the yeah. thing as actual tropes, which are kind of fun. Mm -hmm. so, Boimler takes Mariner with him to go find Kiti Ha, believing it could be the key to everything. Mm. Boimler also gets the attention of another seemingly generic hologram named Nicknack, Nick who, who shares uh, <laughs> interest in finding Kiti Ha. <laughs> Mariner is not thrilled about a seemingly unimportant story and characters, including Nicknack. Yeah, what is this alien of the week? <laughs> yep, and is uh, that is irrelevant to Boimler's original plot, but Boimler believes they will discover the meaning of life which he believes will be better than anything he wrote initially. Mm. Plus, he says, the chasing wasn't going to be fun anyway. Chasing the Romulans, Rutherford yells, this is so much fucking fun. <laughs> uh, while Tendi manages to pull ahead of them and crash her speeder in with her grav cycles, managing an incredible maneuver and jumping from her grav cycle over the explosion onto Rutherford's cycle. Um, Ransom then says, remind me to never loan you my grav cycle. After surviving the crash, the Romulans activate the Chronogami and cross the threshold into another place in time. While following may mean they may, may never return, Tendi, Rutherford, and the rest of the party follow into the threshold, pursuing the Romulans. Since so around this time, I, I never noticed this before, but Tiana is always kind of like lurched forward notice that in this because she's not wearing her coat yeah she she always she has bad posture yeah she, yeah she's she, i never like, noticed how bad her posture was i think she yeah she's kind of like an old cat yeah old grumpy cat you know yeah. she's like eh. would you would you fuck an old grumpy cat i have <laughs> no uh i don't know yeah you know i have to be in it's like tiana you know maybe <laughs> i didn't i didn't ask a cation i said a cat <laughs> oh a cat Mm. No, <laughs> sorry. I believe it's dead. <laughs> um, Tendi and Rutherford. Didn't Grumpy Cat die? Like the actual Grumpy Cat? Who cares? <laughs> Probably. I mean, that was a big meme like 15 years ago. Yeah, that cat's long dead. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Tendi and Rutherford. Uh, not, not really. We hope all cats live on this podcast. Yeah, I, we love I, cats. It's like a pro it, cat podcast. Oh yeah, I hope, I hope that in the near future. I'm like, I'm hoping by that time we get to the Star Trek time period, like we can at least have like give cats immortality if no one else. Yeah. Like so, cats and dogs can also just live to get, live forever. And Who wants to live forever? <laughs> like, and then we can have like Cat Highlander. Oh yeah, uh, and they start killing each other to become powerful. I mean, that, I mean, <clears throat> immortal cats are just vampires, right? Mo what cats? Immortal cats. Oh yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, just kind of like just like uh, emotional emotional vampires because they just like sap all our strength from us, right? And our food, yeah. and our and our treats and kisses. 
yeah. and our snuggles. And and they suck the breath out of babies. They do. That's yeah. that's what my grandma used to say. Yeah, my grandma said that too. Really? Yeah, she was. Like, I guess she told my mom not oh. to let the cat sleep in the in the crib with me. Oh my god! <laughs> my grandma used to say that too. Did your grandma do this one too? She said uh, to never leave the butter out because the cats will come and lick the butter and poison the butter with their spit. <laughs> I never heard that one. My my grandma oh my god that actually explains a lot i mm -hmm. we need to talk about our grandmas at some point because yeah. i think grandma uh, welcome home <laughs> also yes we also need to talk about king diamond yeah but, but more so we need to talk about our insane grandmothers because i'm sure we probably had like the same insane right wing my grand grandmother my grandmother tried poisoning us you might win. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> lose, but also win. Yeah. Like she made us food and we all like, she made us something that she refused to eat and she made us all eat it. And then we all like, I was like, I think five or six. And uh -huh. like, we all started that were vomiting uncontrollably. And, uh, and she just kind of just watched us just throw up and didn't say anything. And so we think that she poisoned us. <laughs> well, wait, was it just like you and your brothers or you and your whole family? My whole family. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, uh, Michael, I think Michael was too young to eat that, but like my other brother, like, yeah. Cool. <laughs> you know, if I had a family, I'd poison them too. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Tenny and Rutherford and their party <laughs> arrive at a Starfleet Aquatic Research Center in 2341 during the Great Solidan Algae Crisis, an event in which Ambassador Koro who's like an octopus thing, was able to communicate with the uh, allegic slime mind and prevent the algae from killing a large number of people, an event every kid learns in school, apparently. Uh, believing, <laughs> I mean, that is a pretty cool thing. It is. Uh, believing the Romulans might want to kill um, Koro, uh, Tendi is about to have them split up and find the Romulans, but is annoyed when Rutherford is loudly eating a sandwich and chips, and not taking the story seriously. He agrees that he isn't taking it seriously and then eats some more chips. In a joke, I really didn't like that much. It was just too... Yeah, kind of random. Yeah, too, like, hey, yeah, too too random. And it, like, they could have made a point that he wasn't paying attention in way funnier ways. Yeah, it, yeah. It was kind of, like, very Rick and Morty or, like, Family mm -hmm. Guy-ish. And I was just like, eh, that joke's lazy as fuck. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, eating like a really nice looking sub. And mm -hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. It, 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 I mean, they and I think they do like later. They they really show like he's not taken seriously in more and in, in, in better ways, better ways that yeah. are more realistic than mm -hmm. than leaving to get a sandwich. Yeah, and, and the, the line like, "Oh, you gotta have chips." I was just like, "That you're <laughs> yeah. trying too hard for a laugh." Yeah, and I think a big thing about comedy is like it's always funniest when it's like the most effortless and it's mm -hmm. just like, it just, it flows. Yeah. And I did think this episode was very funny. Like it I, was. La I laughed, it was. I laughed very loud. Oh, there was, there times. was a lot of great but stuff that I was just like, but I am happy to be critical because I initially started this podcast to be very critical of Trek. Yeah. But unfortunately recently, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately Trek has been good. Yes. <laughs> um, and so it's very hard to be critical of it. So, when something comes along and I'm like, hey, there's a there's a joke that's actually not very good. I am happy to be like, hey, <laughs> hey, here's uh, this is the reason for the podcast. So um, everybody who's listening to Soy Trek for the soy moments in mm -hmm. uh, in Trek, here's a soy moment. You're I guess I guess that is a very soy moment. It, it was a soy moment. And, yeah, um, yeah. Thank thankfully there weren't a lot, but there was one. 
Yeah, and don't worry, Picard season three is just around the corner, and we're gonna have oh. like a whole treasure trove of, of yeah. awful garbage. It's, it's gonna be like uh, swimming in silken tofu. There's gonna be so much. <laughs> Um, I think I've had nightmares like that before. <laughs> Isn't that a vegan's wet dream? <laughs> yeah, I do like silken tofu a lot. I don't. Really? I mean, it's it's good in like uh, uh, a few things, but in most <clears throat> things it sucks. It's good in some miso soups. Yeah, uh, and it's good in like smoothies. Mm-hmm. Also, it's good. Uh, it's good as, in baked goods. It can be good in baked goods and like in sauces and stuff too. Like I, I one time had the moistest cake I ever had in my life. It was had a uh, made of silken tofu. It was amazing. Oh, yeah? You're talking about a big, wet booty? The moistest cake you <laughs> I just sunk my teeth in that big ass. <laughs> and some big old cake. <laughs> Had a little bit of chocolate on it. <laughs> Whoa. You got a lot of tofu in your ass, old lady. <laughs> uh, so... In your asshole lady. Yeah, that, make sure you write that down for later. <laughs> As I said, after this, after this podcast, you know what I'm doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm doing. Uh, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about that soy. <laughs> uh, back on uh, Tatasior Nine, Boimler asks a man named Illustor how to find Kitiha. Illustor stalls in giving him a proper answer, and Mariner believes the holodeck is generically programming in the backstory. Illustor says, I can show you my back story, and <laughs> reveals a map tattooed on his back, which was actually a great gag. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely lolled at that one. Oh, yeah. Um, Knickknack then says, Thou art a map, <laughs> which was also pretty funny. Um Grossed out by the saggy skin, Mariner gets fed up with this story, angering Boimler. He tells her that her story had no real ending, but he went along with it regardless, believing that his story has a deeper meaning and isn't just an action-filled mess. And Knickknack calls his story, Steeped insignificant, a wise one. Uh, Illustor tells Boimler that the others will join the quest for finding Kiti Ha, and Mariner angrily tells Boimler he's ruining her franchise. Boimler tells her Crisis Point was little more than a tantrum that allowed Mariner to murder the crew and that his program is an important examination of the human condition, which Mariner calls a bad movie and <laughs> leaves the holodeck. And I, I agree with that mostly. Like a lot of movies that try to be an important examination of the human condition are not good. Yeah, I mean, there's some great ones like you know, let's say like uh, a beautiful life, the diving bell and the butterfly. Mm-hmm. There are these these great films that are like really important and like really look at the human condition. But then mm-hmm. um, there's... I feel that's like a Trek mostly does is like like yeah, just explore the human condition and yeah, and that's and... yeah, and that's that's what like all of the TOS films are pretty much about. Yeah. And the TNG movies are more of blowing shit up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. What if Picard had a sleeveless shirt? And yeah. Just flexed on fools. So, what if Picard fucked? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if Picard, but he was six <laughs> feet tall and got his dick wet? <laughs> In a world where Picard fucks. <laughs> um, Does he fuck at all in the movies? Yeah, in Insurrection, he definitely fucks. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's that. Lady that definitely mm-hmm. is fucking insurrection. That's yeah. That's the only. Oh, and then 
No, Data fucks the Borg Queen. Yeah, Data Data gets his his uh his dick wet. He gets a new dick and then he gets away. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you a real dick. Oh yeah, he's sure. like whoa 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 whoa. <laughs> Let me give you a prostate too. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew what fully functional really meant me. Oh, shit. And then Data gets it dissolved off. His dick or his prostate? Well, like, just remember, he, he gets he gets, uh, gets uh, bathed in that smoke that dissolves human skin. Mm-hmm. And so... Tell me more. So, and so, he, if he was given dick skin... Almost finished. If he was given dick skin... Oh, I'm done. That thing... That's uh, enough. It dissolved. Oh, and, and his, I can only come so much, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean that sucks. I mean you get the dick, you get to use it like once, and then like you get it like melted off by by poison gas. God, yeah, that does suck. Like if I were <laughs> dead, I'd like kill myself. Yeah. I'd be like initiating self destruct sequence. Yeah. <laughs> he just like has a seizure and dies. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Picard. <laughs> um. So Mariner reports to Ransom for an evaluation and Ransom tells her that she's been performing well and earning praise from all the department heads and says genuinely great job Mariner. He then asks her how Boimler is doing and she tells him that he's been very annoying. Realizing that Boimler didn't tell her why he saw Ransom, Ransom informs Mariner that Boimler's transporter duplicate aboard the USS Titan, William Boimler, died in his quarters um, the, the previous evening following a neuroscience gas leak. So he put Boimler on bereavement leave. Uh, Ransom tells her that she shouldn't, or that she should be there for him, as in bad times, he leans on his besties pretty hard. And he wouldn't know what to do without Honus the bartender, Nurse Westlake, <laughs> And Matt the Whale. <laughs> also, I think Nurse Westlake is definitely named after the composer, Chris Westlake. Mm. Uh, and once again, I will keep mentioning it every episode of this goddamn program. Chris Westlake, incredible composer. The music in here, once again, phenomenal. We should look up. A, we should look up a picture of him and see if he looks like uh, one of those characters in the picture. Yeah, he uh, actually did. He looks uh, exactly like Matt the Whale. <laughs> Well, good for him. Yeah. That, he's, he's really making it happen as a composer who's actually a human whale. Yeah, he just has a little keyboard and, yeah. uh, and, and his tank, and he just hits the buttons. <laughs> with his flippers. You can <laughs> only play two notes at a time. Have they ever tried that with dolphins, you think? I've tried a lot of things with dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, have they ever like tried to see if they could make music or understand music and recreate it? That'd be interesting. The music of love. Oh, yeah. The universal. I guess they do sing. Yeah. Yeah, dolphin. I mean, don't they? They sing like whales. Yeah, they go. Mm. It's kind of a thing, right? I guess so. So Mariner, (laughs) shocked by the news, immediately feels sympathy for Boimler. Back on the holodeck, Tendi and her party are transported to Earth's late 20th century, which Tiana immediately knows by the smell. Uh, where we see an octopus, an ancestor of Ambassador Koro, on display in an aquarium in Sydney, Australia. Shout Mm. out to uh, everyone listening in Australia. I'm sorry, uh, shipping is untenably expensive. (laughs) Sorry, I can't get you our stuff. 
Um, I will, I will try to do something. If we can get enough people from Australia to order our merch, and we have at least like I think three people right now, mm. maybe we can send it like as a big thing, and we can like kind of drop ship it and have. I don't know. We'll try to figure something out. Yeah, I'll, we'll deliver it personally. We'll go to Australia. No, and see the Mad Max no. wasteland that no. that exists. <laughs> no, I mean America is going to be a Mad Max wasteland a lot sooner than. Oh Australia. yeah, it will be. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we, we should... actually have a Morton Joe here. Remember, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, we have a Morton Brandon right now. <laughs> Morton Brandon. We don't have koalas though. I, mean, I guess we do at the zoos, but I want like just go and like pick a koala out of a tree, like a ripe fruit, just like they're just, just start eating it. <laughs> just bite into <laughs> it. <laughs> I thought it was a kiwi. <laughs> no, just you know, pick them out and hold them. But I do hear they're covered in like mucus and stuff. They're not fun to hold. I hear they're kind of gross. Keep going. <laughs> well, they leak a mucus from their skin that protects them. Well, I'm done again. <laughs> Jesus. I thought I thought I had a refractory period, but you keep proving me wrong, my friend. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like yeah, we need I'm to get <laughs> we need to get some wet naps or some shit oh, in here. Yeah. I mean, just, <laughs> just cover. Just make this place like a fucking Dexter style. Just cover it in plastic sheeting. <laughs> smells like idea. an aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> smells like the late 20th century. It does, though, yeah. Uh, uh, realizing the Romulans want to take out Koro's entire family by uh, killing an ancestor, they're suddenly attacked by some street punks who take an interest in their technology. And Shax is like, oh, I'm sorry. We don't want any witnesses and it's just a sick line yeah it's a great line and then just beats the shit out of a couple of them uh scaring the rest of them away mm-hmm. and tendy has them uh ready to break into the aquarium to take the octopus for protection uh though she's once again distracted by rutherford who is grabbing one of the punks clothing mm-hmm. and uh he can't fit into the pants so he asks he says they need to find some bigger punks yeah, give me your boots your jacket and your motorcycle should have a little moment like that yeah that would, that would be cool <laughs> i mean he has the eye thing so he could oh be, yeah he could be seeing like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah he could he could have done the thing where he just like measures them yeah he goes give me your boots your jacket and your motorcycle so, uh, um, grab cycle. Thank you very much. Oh, grab cycle. Remember. So, um, uh, Tendi orders Rutherford to stop messing around is, and is annoyed when he doesn't take her seriously. And he continues to steal the punk's pants. Mariner returns to the holodeck, finding herself on a freighter. She's immediately captured by, uh, unnamed acolytes. And she's like, don't touch me. You don't even have any names. <laughs> and, uh, one of the people's like, acolyte two, take her to the brig. <laughs> Upon arriving, she finds out the Boimler has, uh, and she's also like, don't you know who I am? I'm friends with the main character. But Boimler, the main character, is also in there, imprisoned with her. And after finding out that the tattooed map on that guy's back was fraudulent, um, uh, which caused his followers to mutinize, Boimler is distraught that his story has fallen apart in the ways that it has, feeling like he can't make a good story, or a bad story, even, mm. or a story at all. Mariner sits next to him and tells him that she knows about William and asks why he didn't say anything about it. Boimler admits he's been unable to process his death, saying that he died for no reason and that he was hoping to make his story matter in an attempt to make him feel like he also mattered. Which is actually like one of the first times they've tried to insert like a deeper meaning into the show and it like really succeeded, I thought. Mm -hmm. Like it was really good writing, good acting. Yeah. Good everything. Like I was like, hey, 
That's that's good. Yeah. That's that's been good little tender moment. Yeah, I liked it. Good little tendy moment, am I right? <laughs> tendy. Uh, believing the endeavor to be stupid, Boimler tries to leave, but Mariner tells him that he can find meaning in his story <laughs> as she did, despite the rather mundane plot. Reinvigorated, Boimler agrees to finish out the story, and as they contemplate how to escape the brig, one of the walls is destroyed by Knickknack, who declares his love for Boimler, <laughs> then saying that he's in love with him, <laughs> and he's never stopped believing in him, thus fulfilling the romantic subplot. Yeah. Which is pretty fun, actually. Should have had, should have had some Boimler on Knickknack action. Oh, we'll get that later. <laughs> so, in the bridge of the freighter, Illustor has assumed control of the crew, uh, though Mariner and Boimler arrive and confront him, with Mariner calling him just a fleshy map. And he's obviously, like, a combination of some characters, a little bit of Cybok here, mm -hmm. um, maybe some of the TNG villains, a few, a few a composite, I'd say. Mm -hmm. uh, Lester sets his acolytes on them, and Boimler just starts beating Lustor to everyone's surprise. Yeah, and Mariner's like, this is where he's going to deliver the speech that that t turns you around. <laughs> and then he just like starts beating his face in, which was pretty, yeah. pretty unlike Boimler and pretty fun. I like that. Yeah. He's, he's dealing with some trauma. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, and Boimler's like, oh, I guess we could just do the Kirk thing too, <laughs> yeah. which, which is a great homage because Kirk always just goes to fisticuffs and the mm -hmm. double, double the the Polish hammer. Every yeah, time, every fucking time. Yeah. So as they fight, Knickknack uh, rips his clothing off, revealing multiple buff arms on his chest and crotch area, <laughs> uh, and he successfully fights off multiple acolytes. Like hell yeah, uh, 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 what'd you say? Uh, like uh. With third act, uh, third. knack knack reveal, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Uh, so Boimler knocks Alester out, and after Mariner checks up on him, Boimler realizes that folding Alester's skin together forms a real map to Key T Ha, like a Mad Magazine cover. Indeed, just like a Mad Magazine cover. Yeah, I have like thirty Mad Magazines in my bathroom. Oh, I've seen them that I've never read. Yeah, I've I've read like two of them, maybe. Mm. Do you ever do you ever fold fold the things together and see the ma secret message? No, never. You never do that. That ruins the <laughs> magazine that you uh, never touch or read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that lives on the back of your toilet and will never be read by anybody. You should you should just put them in a in a in a glass case filled with argon so they never they never decay or anything. Ooh, true. Yeah, just like Ooh, I should put them in a glass case with a, a DVD copy of Argo. <laughs> um, I think I've. I, I think I seen that movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, I mean it's good, but kind of forgettable. It's like yeah. that's every why time I think, I think I... of it, I'm like, is that Babel or like, am I thinking of Babel, Argo, or like, um, fucking, I don't know. There, there's, there's a couple like war movies from around that time. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw Argo, but yeah, I instantly forgot about it. <laughs> I think you ever, I you ever saw... ride in Argo, one of those like eight wheel recreational vehicles? No. Oh, they're like like the uh, what's it called the the ducks? Kind of, they're amphibious, but they're oh. they're like a one person or not one person. You can fit like four people in them. They're mm. kind of like a like a, a golf an amphibious golf cart almost. Cool. No, no, they're not good. The only people I've ever known to own them are assholes. Like basically hun sense. hunters. Yeah, hunters in Alaska. Oh yeah, I can see that. I was about to say like I can see that being used a lot in Alaska because it's all terrain and you want to like get across a river. Or go back on on land and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alaska sucks instead of Argos. <laughs>
so back in time, Tendi and her party find themselves at the founding of the United Federation of Planets in 2161. Was this the Kittimer Accords? No, it wasn't. No, just the, no, yeah, 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 the founding I, of the... Yeah, never mind. Yeah, because yeah. that, was, that was just between... Um, the original planets were what? It was um, Vulcans, like Tellarites and humans and a couple others. It wasn't... Andorians. Really, Andorians, yeah, yeah. It was only like four or five planets, originally, mm-hmm. I think, but... Um, so, uh, 2161, and they're working at disarming a bomb that has been planted as the Romulans have seemingly given up on killing Koro in the past. Rutherford is singing a choo-choo song, which was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I got the choo-choo song stuck in my head. Choo-choo, choo-choo-choo. <laughs> and Tendi angrily tells him to stop messing around. As he works, one of the Romulans, uh, they've incapacitated, regains consciousness and fires a disruptor at Tendi. But at the last minute... Dr. Tiana dives in front of her and takes the hit, Mm. killing her. Rutherford successfully disarms the bomb while Tendi kills the Romulan and kneels at Tiana's side, sharing a last few moments together before Tiana disintegrates fully. Rutherford then immediately cracks a joke about the vaporized Romulan, further angering Tendi. Rutherford asks what the big deal is when they're just having fun, and Tendi tells him that she hopes to one day really be a captain, and she feels that his constant joking around is a way of showing that no one would believe in her as a captain. Mm. Rutherford then gets serious and tells her that she would be a great captain, and that she doesn't need a movie to prove it, a sentiment she immediately appreciates. Mm-hmm. Rutherford then gets in character and asks what her orders are. Tendi activates the uh, chronogramic watch, rewinding time to the Romulan attack on the Cerritos at the beginning of the episode. As the Romulans board the Cerritos to steal the chronogrammy, the scientist who initially refused to give them the device instead uh, of um, getting vaporized immediately just hands over the case and the Romulans beam back to their ship, avoiding capture. The Romulan officer reports the obtaining of the Kronogami to the Melpinor triplets, and they ordered the destruction of the Cerritos. However, Tendi hails them and reveals they failed at obtaining the Kronogami, and that the case they retrieved instead holds their own bomb. Bum, bum. They scream as the bomb detonates, destroying the entire warbird to the cheers of the Cerritos bridge crew. They killed every single one of those people. They did. For trying to steal something. That's, that's nice. <laughs> um, I think they're only holograms. Yeah, and they're Romulans. Uh, <laughs> not to be racist, but to be racist. Um, meanwhile, Boimler and Mariner have used the map to go to the third moon of um, Shatnari, which obviously William mm-hmm. Shatner. Uh, they beam down to the rocky landscape, uh, which is obviously supposed to be basically just like uh, Shakari mm-hmm. from Star Trek V and come upon a glowing rock cluster that forms into both a hand and a face, which, again, uh, the original, like, end villain that was supposed to be fought in uh, Star Trek V was God was supposed to form into, like, this uh, a series of rock monsters, but then that was going to be too expensive, <laughs> and so they made it one rock monster but then it looked like a bad dude in a rubber suit, so they just made it like a glowing entity in the end. I would have loved to have the rubber suit version. Yeah, so actually, do you know what the original version that William Shatner wanted on there was? Mm-hmm. He wanted it to be an epic battle between angels and demons that would have reportedly cost like $2 million to film. Hells yeah. And the studio was like, no. 
Um, Plus, but that also like, I, how would that fit into like the whole theme? So wouldn't that mean like the angels and demons are real? Because like that it was supposed to be a false god. So like, did he just completely rewrite the whole story? I think they did. Because cause then like, yeah. I mean, the whole movie doesn't really make any sense on any no. level. And like, I mean, Cybok is the only person talking sense the entire fucking film. He's also the most likable. Because he yeah, <laughs> Cybok rocks, and I will I will stand by this. Cybok yeah. Cybok rules. Fuck you if you don't like Cybok. <laughs> Suck a dick. He rules hard. Um, yeah. So um, they beam down. The thing uh, forms up to an handed face, and the formation introduces itself is Kiti Ha, uh, and asks them for the truth they seek. Boimler comes forward and asks what life is for, what the purpose of life is. And uh, Kiti Ha tells him, The purpose of life is a life of purpose. (laughs) Uh, He continues to address the inquiry by dispensing vague proverbs and platitudes, and Mariner recognizes them as the holotech giving Kiti Ha an inspirational quote generator instead of an actual personality. Yeah, it's like the Facebook-generated... uh, inspirational quotes that are on like uh, you can buy on like a uh, like a, a little wooden plaque to hold to hang in your bathroom. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, the things you can uh, basically like quote art that you can buy at Ross Dress for Less. Mm-hmm. That shit. Uh, so unsatisfied, Boimler runs at Kiti Ha's mouth and kicks the formation, breaking a hole that leads inside the being. Believing his answers to lie within Kiti Ha, Boimler crawls inside over the protests of Mariner and Kiti Ha. Ignoring the intense heat, he crawls further in and comes on a glowing sign that reads Kiti Ha, but when he rubs the sign, he realizes (laughs) the sign actually reads Kitty Hawk, (laughs) and it's actually the Wright Brothers playing the Wright Flyer, which is an amazing homage to uh, the motion picture Voyager being Voyager 6 Probe or whatever. I love that so much. It was so funny. Yeah, I I got a great (laughs) laugh out of this. It It was just like very, I mean, a lot of these jokes were just like super deep lore that like... Thankfully, we just watched all of these films because, like, mm-hmm. I saw so many of these jokes. I'm like, that's that's great, mm-hmm. that's great, and I get that, I get that. So much good shit here. Uh, frustrated at the nonsensical reveal, Boimler concludes that the, his movie is actually trash and lacks any deep meaning, proceeding to punch and kick the walls around him, but as he screams, he falls to the floor and blacks out. Coming to, Boimler finds himself in a forest and sees the residents of James T. Kirk, written on a mailbox. He hears a man chuckling nearby and approaches, seeing him tending to a horse, though the man is not Kirk, as he initially thought, but Captain Haraku Sulu, who took the home off of Kirk's hands, as he says. <laughs> and this is the ranch uh, from Star Trek Generations, obviously, yeah. that um, fucking we have Kirk spend, like, an hour of film time just like riding a horse and not doing anything. <laughs> Generation the, sucks. Yeah, he wanted those uh he wanted those heroic shots on a horse. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> um that's why everyone is like I won't do it except for fucking Scotty and fucking Chekhov. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that movie blows. <laughs> um so wondering where they are, as he didn't program this area into the hologram. 
Uh, Sulu tells Boimler that they're in Idaho and offers to let him feed the horsey. As Boimler feeds the horsey, he talks to Sulu about his attempts to find meaning in the randomness of death. Sulu responds that he's lost many friends and that the randomness of death is a reflection of the unexpected joys they find in life. Once again, this actually lands in the message, uh, and somehow the cartoon episode is one of the deeper episodes of Star Trek I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and it's funny, it's, um, you know, it's heavily making fun of, like, you know, um, Star Trek the motion picture and Star Trek V. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it definitely has, like, more emotional <laughs> yeah. weight, weight than both of those films. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Boimler thanks Sulu and uh, asks Sulu numerous questions about his career in Starfleet, to which Sulu warns him that the horsey is about to bite him on the neck, and then the horse <laughs> bites him on the neck. Uh, Boimler wakes up as Dr. Tiana administrates a hypo spray into his neck, uh, and he is lying unconscious in a biobed and sick boy. Sick boy? <laughs> sick boy. Sick boy. He's a sick boy in sick Oh, he's day. a sick boy in sick boy. Oh. Boimler wakes up to see Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford around him. It turns out that Boimler's encounter with Sulu was a dream after blacking out due to dehydration. Uh, Boimler tells them that he likely shouldn't have been looking for the meaning of life and apologizes for his lackluster movie. However, everyone around him tells him how much they enjoyed his story, but as they talk, Tiana yells at them to leave as Boimler's biobed is needed for Lieutenant Commander Steve Stevens, who leaned against the warp core, injuring himself for the second time that day. Uh, yeah, apparently he did it twice. Yeah, and he was like, <laughs> he was like burnt in half, basically. Um, they leave, continuing to talk about how much fun they all had, and Mariner tells Boimler that it was a good sequel to her story after all, thanking him for not ending it with a cliffhanger. Uh-oh. Meanwhile, in another part of space, we have a title. System Redacted. A defiant class starship decloaks. Inside, a figure opens up the tubing of a photon torpedo, revealing the body of William Boimler. Oh, another torpedo resurrection? Whoa. Very much like Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. The figure gives the body a hype spray, and William is revived, seemingly as expected. The mysterious figure welcomes him and says that Starfleet considers him dead, much to their liking. She then extends a black comm badge of Section 31, inviting William to join them. Well, he is confused by the badge, since Section 31 is meant to be a secret, and it kind of just lets everyone know they're in Section 31. (laughs) He accepts the invitation when the agent says they can kill him again if he prefers. He says he likes the badge and starts laughing maniacally. Mm Mm-hmm. And credits. What do you think? I like this episode a lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, I'd say probably like my third favorite episode from the season. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, the story was really funny. I liked uh, all the all the all the fun they were making of a uh, you know start you know Star Trek the motion picture and Star Trek Five, which are mm-hmm. probably the most you know maligned of the films. Yeah, and uh, with you know, kind of rightfully so, and so no, but- <laughs> Star Trek Five rocks. Star Trek the Motion Picture rocks. <laughs> You're wrong. Fuck you. Three is the worst one. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but, uh um, yeah, it's nice to see that they you know take twists on that and actually you know you know make it fun make fun of it, but actually kind of like do it do 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 uh do those movies but better. <laughs> Absolutely, and um. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Like, uh, 
I would have liked, you know, to see uh, Boimler, William Boimler actually be dead because that would, you know, actually add some sort of like, you know, emotional weight to it. Like, you know, yeah. showing them alive and joining like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Starfleet CIA. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like they're doing a lot of setup <clears throat> this season. Like, yeah, they yeah. obviously have a lot of plans for season four and probably season five here that they're setting mm-hmm. up. You know, obviously with um, uh, the the Ardmus computer and um, fucking um, peanut hamper, peanut, peanut hamper together, and then maybe like Boimler, a section thirty one. Maybe uh, maybe they'll all be aligned together. Maybe or they're probably gonna, probably have an episode where uh, William Boimler like um, uh, well like they put Boimler in a uh, situation where he's valuable and then they replace him with William Boimler. Oh, good point. Yeah. Like the, uh, the Thomas Riker Maki thing. Yeah. <laughs> except like, except they'll have to have some sort of moment with, um, in, you know, doing like the dramatic reveal by taking off the fake mutton chops or something. Ooh, we love the fake mutton chops. <laughs> like maybe he'll, maybe he'll take off, like, um, he'll remove like a purple wig <laughs> and then, like, and show like his real hair color underneath. Don't they both have purple hair though? They do, but like, you know, yeah. but, um, but you know, um, Thomas Riker also had like you know a beard, right? But they differentiated himself just having the goatee. So what, I'm wondering if what like, do you think the big difference is between the two Boimlers? Mm, well, obviously this William, uh, William Boimler seems to be kind of evil. Like, I mean, like physically, do you think there's any big difference? Mm, I mean, I think they're perfectly the same. Perfectly. Yeah. Okay. I mean. <laughs> You know, I'd have to do like you know physical inspection. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I'd have to smell them balls first. But it would. But it would be funny to yeah, like William. Well, William Boimler like you know changes his hair color, but then like when he has to like when he takes over for boy, uh, the real Boimler, he removes like a purple wig. Did you say the real Boimler? Yeah. I mean, what necessitates realness? That's yeah, true. I they're mean, they're both, both the Boimler. Boimler yeah. I mean, who's to say like William Boimler isn't the Boimler clone? Yeah, exactly. They both have the same memories, so who's to yeah. say? Yeah, like which one is which? Which is a weird thing. Well, yeah, like yeah. why did like what dark turn? What happened to William Boimler to make him go down the dark path of joining the CIA? <laughs> right, because he he never he didn't have like a an arc where like there was like seven or five years or wherever where he was stranded like uh, like fucking Thomas Reich. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, I mean, and and really like um um. Maybe you know, maybe that just shows like you know, and uh, uh, William Boimler got the uh, promotion. Mm-hmm. He did get a promotion and got put on Titan. So maybe that's showing like you know, his success is what did him in. Like he, he like the success went to his head, or the and he turned evil. Maybe and, or he sought more. He sought more power. Perhaps yeah, wanted to commit war crimes and and stage uh, false flag operations and. <laughs> And in the in the evil uh, Starfleet CIA. Hell yeah! Well, speaking of the CIA and uh, taking down um, democratically elected um, presidents, (laughs) yeah, democratically elected governments of brown people. Do you want to talk about the Klingon word of the day? Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. The Klingon word of the day. 
Hello. Today's Klingon word of the day is ooch, which <laughs> means money. Okay. So if you were to use it in a sentence, you could say, Alex Jones is about to lose all of his hooch. Or, uh, bitch, gotta give me that hooch. <laughs> bitch, gotta give me that hooch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hooch. That's fun. Yeah. So, so it's pronounced exactly like hooch, like drinking? Uh, Look at that hooch. yeah, it's H-U-C-H. Hooch. 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 Oh, is that like the, the film with, uh, starring, um... Will Smith is like the 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 relationship counselor. <laughs> That's Hitch. Oh, <laughs> I was I was close because he hitches people up. That's his that's his thing. Oh right. Yeah yeah. But his name is also Hitch. It'd be it'd be funny <laughs> if he was like a homophobe and he was like hitching people up to the back of his car. <laughs> no, that wouldn't mm, be funny. No. <laughs> that would be. That'd be unfunny. Do you think like the, his parents knew that that's the profession he was going to go into, and that's and, and so like they, they that they they knew to name him Hitch because he knew they knew he was going to be like a um like a like a matchmaker. Yes, it's kind of like when you name a child Jeeves and he becomes a butler, and so like they're just like or, oh or a web browser, <laughs> a web browser, <laughs> and so like um I'm see, I'm sensing our child's going to be a matchmaker, and so they name him Hitch. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a fine. Catch me a catch. <laughs> Sorry. You like Fiddler on the Roof? It's a good movie. There's a guy named Laser Wolf in it. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm anti-Semitic. Oh, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. I didn't, yeah, I didn't don't, mean to. Don't, we don't mention Fiddler around here, all right? No fiddling. Yeah, no, no fiddling, especially no, on that roof. No fiddling on my roof, buddy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a Klingon word of the day. With that, uh, do you want to get into some subspace transmissions? Let's do it. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Hey, it's Subspace Transmissions. It's that part of the show where we go and look at reviews or whatever, I guess, of... Um, the show, since uh, there are no real reviews of uh, the most recent episode of Lower Decks that we just watched, we're just going to go ahead and check out different comments people said on r slash Star Trek. Oh my god, Reddit. these people are writing novels. No, they certainly are. <laughs> they certainly are. Uh, we got a bunch of Jake Siscos over here, am I right, guys? Whoa. Hey, so. Citizen journalist. Nick of Santa Cruz says one day ago, if he wasn't already keeping track of William's adventures, Bradward will go back and review William's personal logs to find closure in his meaningless death. There will be a few suspicious discrepancies, either self-created or S31 inserted redactions, but Bradward utilizes his bereavement leave to visit the Titan and question Riker. Once on board, Riker is cordial, but William's friends are weirded out, especially his girlfriend. Cast Claudia Black for the Farscape reference. <laughs> Bradward helps them all deal with the loss of William and returns to the Cerritos feeling better, though unconvinced there, there isn't more to the story. The episode ends with him receiving a cryptic message. You are being watched. Stop digging. Someone close to you will get hurt, and I won't be able to stop it. This is serious. That will set up a future episode where William switches with Bradward, the latter mm. kidnapped and put in cryostasis, to run a uh, Section 31 mission using a Cerritos mission as cover. Yeah. That's what wow, this is just fan fiction. Like, yeah. there, this is too much guy. Like, <laughs> there's, like, predictions and stuff, and then there's writing fan fiction. <laughs> there's boards for fan fiction. This is... 
Like this, this thread was a discussion thread. You were not discussing anything. You're making up your own shit, guy. <laughs> what are you doing on the internet? I would like a star, a star, uh, a Farscape reference. That'd be nice. That would be cool. <laughs> Far out, man. Farscape out, man. Farscape fucks. Yeah, I haven't watched much of it. Really? Yeah. It's good. I haven't watched much of that or Babylon Five. I've heard they're both. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and Stargate SG One. I've heard it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of Star uh, Farscape. Like uh, yeah, little guys in it. More like Fartscape. Whoa, got him! Sons of bitches. All right, next we have Commander Kira. Says two days ago, uh, Kira can't attain the rank of commander, can she? I don't think they have that in Bajoran military. I think a colonel is the rank of commander. Mm. Uh, commander Kira says two days ago, did we catch a registry on the Defiant class? I'm assuming it's not the Defiant. No. After what felt like a bit of a dud last week, I really enjoyed this episode. Some good development and some deep cut jokes. It actually felt like maybe Tindy's storyline worked better than Boimler's. Also, apparently the safeties were off in the holodeck because apparently Boimler actually died? Holodeck safeties are a classic Star Trek meme, but I feel like we haven't seen many actual character deaths because of them. Yeah, I mean... But he, he died because of dehydration. Yeah, like, uh, or, uh, implied, I think, because of the heat. So, yeah, I mean, mm. would, would, like, if, uh, would the uh, holodeck uh, stop, you know, c- cooking him after a certain point? If no, it, it if definitely it read... would, I think. Yeah. Because like, I think it reads your vitals and stuff. Yeah, so... Yeah, maybe that's what saved him. Yeah, do you think anyone's like ever? Oh man, you know, it'd be super embarrassing is like dying during sex on the holodeck. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's just like just have a heart attack. They find you with your dick out and just an empty <laughs> holodeck in a, in a fucking jazz bar and minuets. Like I swear to God, I swear to God, I don't know what happened. <laughs> or the whole holodeck freezes, so it's just stuck in the moment that you die, and just <laughs> it's just like a a guy sticking a very large object inside. <laughs> Or it all disappears and he just like slumps to the floor. <laughs> just like, <laughs> it's like, oh, we got to ask Minuet what happened. All right. Uh, Jesus I'm, H. Christ. Yeah. This one's, that's, that's, this one's an actual novel. Nah, that is something. Someone, someone here wrote like a whole fucking script. So here we go. Born Ashes says one day ago, edited one day ago. This whole episode felt like a therapy session for Brad and Tendy with Mariner and Rutherford basically acting as support. Brad wound up finding meaning for himself in the same way that Crichton did after his clone died. Tendy wound up saying out loud something that her brain had only been whispering up until this point, and that's what she'd always wanted to be captain. They both passed through their own crisis points. In other words but could only do so with the help of the friends. Rutherford's casual, carefree attitude helped to push Tendy to having her epiphany. Mariner's constant badgering of the movie pushed Brad into dealing with his shit, and then having a near-death experience was also resulting in an epiphany. So it all kind of worked out in the end, and in the end, both Rutherford and Mariner also gained a further understanding of their friends, and were mega supportive of them. Oddly enough, Brad's little line of was I dreaming and the doc's response of more like clinically dead was rather poignant in a way that either I'm reading too much into or that was done on purpose by the writers. Both dreams and death can inspire us to make changes within our lives and can pus- uh, push us to onto paths we never considered before. 
They can either be the catalyst of our own crisis points that ignite a phoenix-like change within us in the world around, or they can be the crisis points that we need to move past in order to become someone else. Something else. I hate this person. They yeah. should not be allowed to have a keyboard. No. Have you ever had a dream that felt so real and so true that when you woke up, you just decided to totally alter your life or that left you staggering through the day going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> As you pondered it, no. Who's having these dreams? Have you? I've had, you know, had, you know, the, the, uh, the tofu dream. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just like, that's just giving you a boner throughout the day, not going, oh, existential crisis, tofu. I, I, had, a pretty, I had a pretty fucked up dream one time, whereas, like, I saw, like, um, like a... Like that's a, enough of that. Um, <laughs> this isn't is a dream podcast. Get the fuck out of here, Pat. No. No. A- absolutely not. Damn it. Fine. Uh, <laughs> Keep it to myself and put it in my dream journal. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> and throw that thing directly into the fire. <laughs> Just burn it. Just try to tell me about your fucking dream. Or I'll, or I'll put it in one of those uh, shot put. Um, those, uh, what do they call them? Like they shoot the thing out. The a skeet shooter? Skeet shooter, and I'll just shoot it with a That's shotgun. what I call my balls. <laughs> skeet, 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 skeet. I'll skeet, skeet. <laughs> um... Oh, have you ever experienced death in a way that just felt like a punch to the fundamental foundations of who you are? Both of these things can change us in incredible ways. Tendi's dream of wanting to be a captain was revealed through the crisis point, and that's put her on a new path. Brad's experience with the death of William alongside his near-death experience in the holodeck pushed him to stop worrying about the end of all things and start focusing on the here and now, because if he didn't, then he'd never live at all. And life... Life needs things to live. Oddly enough, I think that means that he'd have more than a bit in common with Pike... And that might tie into the crossover in the future. I actually thought like this episode would have been a good um, um, excuse to have a crossover episode with yeah. Stranger Worlds. They could have gone back and saw Pike or something. They yeah, Pike could have like voiced himself. Yeah, they well, we can do a lot of things still. Yeah. Either way, both dreams and death helped two of our favorite lower deckers to become better <laughs> versions of themselves. Plus, Rutherford played the role of support engineer masterfully, and that all wound up working out in the end, just like all the other episodes where he's done the same. Mariner's crass attitude even wound up serving a purpose, and I feel like Brad... Brad. Brad really did appreciate that they're, at the end, along with Mariner, appreciating what it was... Um like to be on the other side of the therapist's couch for once. Also, that ending scene in sickbay totally reminded me of a bunch of friends who split the party, went on side quests with the DM, and were then discussing just what awesome stuff they'd done while they were apart. I was getting to get, like, a sense, yeah, like, I can understand, like, Rutherford, like, not taking it seriously because it does seem like it would just be, like, hyper-interactive um, Dungeons yeah. & Dragons. It's a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, like, uh, but I can see because it's so realistic having, like, those really intense emotional... Because mm-hmm. they also do play, like, D&D-type stuff mm-hmm. in this universe, as we saw with the Klingon game. Yeah. 
All right, one more paragraph here. Of course, now that I bring up Dungeons and Dragons, I... (laughs) Oh, God, this is going to be a long one. I also have to point out how big of a thing dreams and death are within that realm. We've seen both things play big roles in character growth and plot advancement across any number of streamed and non-streamed games, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it was amazing to see a similar mechanism being brought into the world of Star Trek in such a cool and fascinating way to affect characters that we all know and love. Dreams and death really go hand in hand. At least when she's not chucking bread at him. Chucking bread? Born born ashes. Um... (laughs) Who have you ever considered going off grid entirely? That'd be cool. Like perhaps the the internet's not for everybody, <laughs> right? There's things that maybe comments you write on the internet that you should look at and be like, no one wants to read that. You just delete <laughs> it and you go back to enjoying the internet and letting other people enjoy the internet. Now this, um, I mean, I kind of uh, agree. It is like a therapy episode, and I think it. Think I do think like this episode did like a therapy type episode mm-hmm. way more way way better uh, than um, a lot of the discovery episodes that actually revolve yeah. around um, therapy because they, they seem come off as very just disingenuous to yeah. me in a way. Great comment. That was only three sentences. <laughs> this guy thinks he needs like eight hundred words to tell us what could have been said in three sentences, probably. Yeah. Like. Uh, this was a good therapy episode for all the characters. They all overcame a lot of things with interesting trials. Like, you didn't talk about, and it's a he. This is definitely mm-hmm. a he. This is a guy. This is mm-hmm. a dude who thinks people want to listen to his mm-hmm. dumbass opinion. Um, yeah, he, 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 he talked about absolutely nothing yeah. in these, like, six paragraphs. And <laughs> there's a lot of that on the internet. And, um... I just want to point out that that sucked, and I'm sorry for making everyone yeah. sit through that. It is, um, uh, yeah, like uh, Lower Decks did. Is I do feel like Lower Decks is a more like genuine, like I uh, like not just just not doesn't just embody like um, like uh, the you know the golden age of Trek, mm-hmm. like you know aesthetically because mm-hmm. like you know it does have all aesthetic references, but also yeah. spiritually in a way where it's just like we actually have episodes that actually deal with that just use sci-fi as a launching point to actually just deal with like real life problems. And yeah, we, you know, we've all, you know, all suffered loss and, and stuff like that. And I, and I feel, and that's what Star Trek is for. And, Mm -hmm. and I feel like we're having just very, just excellent written um, episodes that just feel that, that feel very Trek to us. And then we're going to have Picard season three, which is just going to be like, just like nonstop murder <laughs> and just yeah. like and just like this dark nihilistic view of the future, and that doesn't actually have any sort of message, or um or uh, or point really. It's just like it's just just going to be um people that they dug out of retirement to just <laughs> to just go and wantonly kill, <laughs> yeah, kill people. Like <clears throat> yeah, not a, and then and that that's why I see like yeah with you know Stranger Worlds and lower decks like we do get those like authentic feeling trek episodes indeed Indeed. all right next we're going to move on to a comment from trek fan 74 says two days ago 
Oh my god! This episode was fucking amazing! I was just meta on top of meta! My god, I couldn't keep up. I was laughing so hard at nearly everything, but I like how Mira was all of us. Yeah, she usually is, but definitely this time. Wow. Uh, crisis point two had it all. Time travel, crazy action sequences, Romulans. Love those uniforms and felt like a nice update from first contact and all the great twists this episode had. Captain Zulu showing up in some weird nexus like heaven and William Boimler joining section 31. And that's, uh, and thanks for calling out the badges, Boims. I saw none of it coming, but loved every damn minute of it. Watching it again now, in fact, oh, wow. <laughs> I did like the uh, Romulans uh, out, um, outfits, cause, uh, but at first I thought they were like wearing some sort of like, um, uh, uh, like urban camouflage type stuff. You know, mm. you ever see like yeah, the, yeah, the gray, yeah. the gray right, camo right, right, and stuff. Right, right. I was just like, are they wearing? Are they wearing like gray? The 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 gray camouflage that you yeah, get. Yeah, the like, urban tactical camouflage. Yeah, they're. Yeah, and I was just like, oh wait, no, that's just yeah. the Romulan designs. Yeah, that'd be interesting if they were like really into slam metal, hardcore. <laughs> yeah. uh, that'd be sick. Uh, super sick, dog. All right. Uh, uh, just a couple more comments here. Yeah, let's uh, go for it. All right. Uh, next we have the nerd chaplain. Who I hope mm. this person is actually a, a chaplain and a nerd. That would, that would be, be awesome. Would it? I had to. Uh, I met a, a, a priest the other day. Oh, yeah? He was a dickhead. <laughs> In what way? Just like go to church? No, no. I was uh, I was cleaning off some carports and I accidentally blasted some dirt into the hallway of the building next door. And this guy's like, ah, oh, you blasted dirt. And I'm like, oh, that's no, that's fine. I'll be glad to come and clean that up and like so i go over there and he lets me in and we're like on the elevator and he's like oh yeah we just had this clean yesterday i'm like no it's no big deal you know i'll take care of it and he was like well it is a big deal because we just had a clean yesterday i'm like yeah but i'm offering to yeah you're literally fixing the problem yeah but I, like, I mean... so <laughs> not a big deal and then we just like stood there in silence and i'm just like thinking the whole time I would like to like put a crater in this old fucker's face. Like, <laughs> fuck this old asshole. How'd you find out he was a chaplain? Because like I had to call his number to get in, and it went immediately to message. And he's like, uh, "This is Father something something something." And I'm like, "Oh my god, it's a." F and like I, when I when I saw him, I'm like, "This guy has to be Catholic. He just looks Catholic, and he's a father, so he's either yeah. Episcopalian or Catholic." Yeah, he was definitely Catholic. No, I mean, yeah, if you if if you're like a 50 year old virgin. Oh. Like <laughs> more like sixty-five year old. Oh yeah, if you're like a sixty-five year old virgin, like of course you're gonna be just like mad at the world. Yeah, and he's like, dirt in the hallway, dirt in the hallway. I'm like, this is exactly what zero pussy does to a motherfucker. Yeah, that's what like, zero pussy does. Yeah. So speaking of what zero pussy does to a motherfucker, yeah, the nerd chaplain says two days ago, <laughs> I was left with mixed feelings about the peanut hamper episode last week. Man, I don't know why people hate speculation that. here. Even if it does tease some kind of lead into Picard Season 3, are you really going to tell me Moriarty and Lore got free, but not her and Agabus? We all know the showrunners talk and collaborate. Do but they? It, <laughs> but it's so good to be in the late season goodness. The last two or three episodes of Lower Deck Seasons have been absolute bangers, and Hells this yeah. is no different. I love the subtle commentary on the Prime versus Kelvinverse movies and the gang finding different things to appreciate about them. I really dug how the holodeck parts 
had a film grain to them. I actually didn't notice that. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you look, yeah, you can see like eventual like little crackles and stuff. Oh, oh, I was watching it on crackle, so that makes sense. <laughs> um, I loved the horizontal light bars in the lab where the chronogami thing was kept, which was a classic Trek thing. Such yeah, a like the little Trek thing that appears everywhere. And the Romulan triplets were a clear takeoff of Lursa and Bator, and of course there was a punk carrying a boombox. And I have to wonder if the one shot of Tendi and Rutherford on the speeder bikes was in an early reference to... This image teased for Discovery Season 5, and he links that. No, I haven't seen that. I want to live action Captain Tendy, a live action Captain Tendy show. And if Jack Quaid were involved, I'd now be much more optimistic about a Section 31 show. I Please wouldn't. no, please no, not Jack Quaid in that show. Please no. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if, if they make a Section 31 action comedy show, it's going to be the worst. Yeah, just the it's, it's just gonna the, be the worst. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, I think I was saying to you earlier on off the thing, like like the whole idea that that sec, uh, section thirty section thirty one needs to exist in the first place is definitely like a idea pushed. Actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. I think there's like one person who could possibly do a section thirty one show and mm-hmm. make it good. Who's that? The showrunner of the boys. Yeah. Because they would just make it a leftist critique about the CIA (laughs) the entire time, and it would be amazing. And I I do feel like DS9, uh, like DS9, you know, having Section 31, they didn't show Section 31 as being cool. No, it was bad. It was a bad, secret, (laughs) shitty thing. Yeah, like Sloan was a fucking creep. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he was a greasy little weirdo that everyone hated. And, And yeah, like, and... The, ne- the the necessity of section 31 is created by section 31 themselves right like like the, like this just like the CIA just like the CIA it's a, it's a self-fulfilling hierarchy yeah and and that they 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 make them they make you think that they're necessary for a uh, livable doc- democracy to to exist but they don't like they're actually like one of the biggest hindrances to us having like a free and just world mm-hmm. <laughs> fuck the CIA mm-hmm. we're going to get killed <laughs> You know what? I've been dancing that line for a long exactly. time, baby. You know what? They'll they'll save me a trip to the bullet store. <laughs> so, but it's good that they are not going through with a Section Thirty One show. Uh, continuing with uh, Nerd Chaplin here. Yeah, I got nothing but gushing for this episode. I was a hundred and ten percent all aboard for it. I wish we knew who the recruiting agent for William Boimler was. I noticed Alice Waterlund was in the credits for this episode, who I've heard is a big Trek fan, but I don't think she's had any previous connection to Trek other than the podcast I think she does. Someone will tell me, I'm sure. Mm. I have no idea who it is. Yeah. Good for you, though. Thanks, Nerd Chaplin. All right, we're going to close out this uh, uh, subspace transmissions with uh, one more comment here from... Mecha Pebbles says two days ago. So, uh, I really hope we get a real Lower Decks movie someday. Making one doesn't have to be all the more expensive than several episodes put together. It could be a really cheap and fun way to get Star Trek back in theaters. If Bob's Burgers and The Simpsons can have feature films, imagine how awesome a Lower Decks film would be where our Lower Deckers finally got promoted or something. 
that goes against the whole point of the show, though. It really does. Like, if you, yeah, you promote them and then, like, they're no longer in the lower decks. No, yeah. It's like, chances are we won't see them promoted until, yeah. like, the very end. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be a cool closeout to the series yeah. to maybe do a film or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, that's the, the just, no, probably not. Yeah. But I mean, it's a good cast. I really like the cast. I could, yeah. I could deal with them doing a bigger project in some way. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see a movie, even yeah, if it was more like two-parter episodes, shit like that. Yeah, even even if it was just like a direct streaming one, that'd be cool. Oh yeah. Well, I guess that's about it for subspace transmissions. And you know what? It's just about time to say goodbye to all of our friends here. But before we do that, uh, you want to say goodbye. To some people who gave the ultimate sacrifice for Starfleet? Yes. Let's get in to a redshirt obituary. Will the away team was in a pinch and somebody had to die? But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. Today we remember three unspecified crew members who served under Captain James T. Kirk on the USS Enterprise. The three crew members died of Regalian fever, a disease first discovered by Dr. Phlox on the NX-01. So it's surprising they didn't have an adequate uh, antidote or medicine some hundred years later, being that Dr. Phlox inoculated his entire crew. Mm. There were 23 other crewmen who contracted the disease but survived. Nothing much else is known about the three deceased members. Maybe they're anti-vaxxers. I bet they are. (laughs) So rest in peace among the stars, unnamed crewmen, and thanks for your contribution to the greater good, I guess. R.I.P. Bozos. And uh, those were actually the last three people to die in Star Trek, the original series. Really? Really. Hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Indeed. So, um... With that, it's about time to go. Uh, where can yeah. we find you on the internet, Mr. Pat? Uh, I'm at Potomac Bomb on Twitter and Instagram. Great. And you can find me at Soytrek just about anywhere. But you know what? Get your ass on over to Soytrek.com. That's our big landing page. That's where we sell all of our shit. And selling all of our shit is how we fund the podcast. Yeah. So um, you know what? Get on over there. Give us some fucking money, and we'll send you some fucking shit. Yeah. And buy you fucking shit. I mean, you're going to order a t-shirt, and I'm going to take a fat dump in it. <laughs> just going to wrap it up, <laughs> and then just, like, put it in, you know, and put yeah. it in a plastic bag, and just let, let, let that motherfucker marinate on the way oh, yeah. <laughs> to, the, to the through the post office. It's like making chicken wings, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to have some, like, really just, like, deep built-in flavor. You know, just by the time it reaches its destination. Take you straight to Flavor Town, baby. <laughs> One way trip. You're never coming back. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I guess that's about it. By the way, our, our products are feces free. They are feces free. <laughs> yeah, maybe yours. <laughs> Pussy. Uh, <laughs> Captain's Log. Supplemental. Well, that's all, folks. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well. Travel safe. And as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 94 says, females and finances don't mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, just uh, money over hose. Hell yeah. Every time, baby. All right. All right. Well, thanks for trekking with the soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. 
Hang Dong, and Shocker. shocker.